Well, hello, everybody. Ooh. How are we all doing tonight? This is uh, my first time doing this without the cheeky, the chico. Uh, if you haven't been following the news or anything besides politics, there was a earthquake in Turkey last week in the city that Chico family lives and where she was. And luckily they were all okay, um, but they had to leave town 
They're in Cheshme, and uh, she doesn't have internet right now. So it's just me tonight and you, all of you. Um, and I've spent the day trying to figure out what I would talk about, trying to stay away from politics. Um, I want to promote a few things for our friends. So let's see. Uh, somebody, our friend Michiko Ozawa, who was on the show not too long ago, she's doing online violin classes. Uh, so you could find her on Facebook, Machiko Ozawa. You have to buy yourself a violin. And there you go. You got nothing else to do. It's dark. It's cold. Days are long. Or short, I should say. So why not learn the violin? And uh, hopefully you don't try to learn that near me. <laughs> um, what else? Oliver Coker is going to be on the show later. And him and Meredith are working on a, uh, they're, they're producing a very interesting project. They're going to tell you all about it later. We also have Shinju Cho joining us shortly for some live music. And, oh, tomorrow night, Rene Ruger has outdoor Falucho in Williamsburg at Cafe Argentino. And there's still a few tables open. You have to reserve your, uh, your spot ahead of time. And uh, there's live music, and I went last month. I performed with Chico, and it was really nice to be back in some sort of semblance of normalcy and just see friends and be outside and have dinner. Um, last thing I want to announce is our good friends in El Cachavache are going to have their first show online, first show in six months, and it's going to be online, obviously. December 12th, it'll be at 5 p.m. here in the U.S., 11 p.m. in Europe, 7 p.m. in Argentina, and it's 50 minutes long. Uh, it's six euro, and you can pay them through, I'm guessing, through Facebook. Uh, there'll probably be a link if you look them up. Everything is easily found online these days. Um, and what else is there to talk about? Not much going on in the world today, right? Not much happening. It's kind of a boring day. I know last night was kind of boring. Um, did you guys watch any good TV last night? What do you What are you up to? What are you up to out there in the world? I was not excited about being here tonight, considering what happened and is happening right now. I was a little nervous about my attitude or my energy hosting tonight, especially without having a partner to bounce things off of. Um, but it looks like things are moving in the right direction for those of you who are on that team. <laughs> and uh, I guess we're just going to wait and see. So I was um, looking up some old tango history classes I took early in the summer. And um, I learned that the very first tango ever recorded, does anybody know what it is? Anybody wanna guess the year and the name of the song? And if, if you get the name of the orchestra, you can't, you have to answer like now, because right now everybody's Googling the answers. 
but I'm going to play a clip. The quality is not great, but I wanted to play a little bit of it, and then you can guess afterwards if you figure out the song. So here we go with a little clip from the very first ever recorded tango. Come on, buddy. Oh, well, maybe we won't. That's not it. Okay, let's try this again. Hmm. Well, it's hard to guess what it is if you can't hear it. Oh, there we go. It's not ending. Oh, 
God. Well, I didn't listen to that in its entirety yet. But um, that was the very first documented um, recorded tango, 1911. Don Juan by the orchestra typica Vicente Greco. And um, Mafia, Pedro Mafia, did the second known recording in 1912, I believe. And I, let's see, I have my notes here somewhere about which song it was. Oh, El Choclo, of course, everybody's favorite. No, James is a big fan of that one. So those were the two very first recorded tangos. And the reason these songs are so, well, that seemed a lot longer than two and a half minutes, didn't it? Yeah. Um, was because that's the length of the, the LP. The size of the record was two and a half minutes. That's how much time was on it, interestingly enough. Um, I don't know if we would all be dancing tango. Would you dance tango right now, Poodle? If that's the kind of tango we were listening to? It's just like, it's definitely very um, circular. I don't know. I'm drinking the election juice. That's what I'm drinking. Anybody else drinking their election juice? I started on Monday. With the election juice. Hoping that we'll have some solid information by tomorrow. Things are looking nice. <laughs> Shinju, if you want to join us, I'm I'm very bad at doing this alone. So if you want to call me, <laughs> we could start your part of the show. <laughs> and uh, we had a nice sound check the other day. We were we were sound checking. I think it was on Monday, and we were both apprehensive about what the show would feel like tonight. Hey, Shinju. Hi, everyone. Hi, Adam. Hi. How are you? Are you better than you thought? Um, I'm ignoring the feelings for the most part. It seems uh -huh. to help since March. Uh huh. And. I don't know. I thought I would feel better because things are going the way it should, but I'm also mad at the rest of the country. So we're going to move on. Hmm. Yeah, we could talk about other things. Yes. <laughs> but um, I'm saying hello from Philadelphia, Fishtown, Philadelphia, which is also jokingly known as uh, uh, Williamsburg or Park Slope of um, Philadelphia. I would and say it's more Williamsburg. Okay, I, I think yeah. so. Park Slope for the endless um, strollers. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like a mesh. Uh, it's like a mix of the two. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. There's a lot of that. But um, anyway, I'm reporting from the basement of my house since my <laughs> toddler is asleep on the second floor. Oh, wonderful. Early to bed? What's, their, what's yeah. the bedtime? Uh, he's down by 8 p.m. Okay. Is he pretty regular about that? Yes, he's uh, been sleeping 12 hours since he was uh, three months old. Wow. So we're definitely lucky. Yeah, I was going to say you lucked out. Yeah. I've heard some. Someone's got to live. <laughs> How old is he? He's approaching two and a half. Okay. What's his name? His name is Sol, S O L. 
So, okay. Is that after Sun? Well, um, it works in many languages. So um, I'm Korean American. His dad mm -hmm. is French. So we're looking for a name that was um, easy to pronounce in many languages and meant something in both our languages. And it ended up being Seoul. So Seoul in French means uh, the ground, which is not very significant. Um, in <laughs> Korean, it means evergreen, like the pine tree or cypress tree. Mm -hmm. um, and in Serbian, is uh, salt. In Spanish, it's so, uh, sun. Mm -hmm. So it's going pretty well. You know, the French one, you could like play around with it. You could say it's, he's grounded. He's a grounded human. You know? Yeah, I actually, I haven't heard that one before. I like it. And uh, we also thought we could appeal to the Jewish population who might think he's a short for Solomon. So ah. we'll take that too. It's a good name. It's a win. It's like a win-win. Win-win-win-win-win. So. And it's easy to pronounce, unlike his mom and dad's names. What's your husband's name? Albon. Uh, oh wow! And that and some people call him Elbow. So I thought it. Yeah, it sounded a little bit like eyeball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the family. Me, dad, <laughs> well, him, and uh, and the little son. Cool. Wonderful. So, um, how long? How long? How have you guys been enjoying all this home time together? Is it working out well? Is it nice? Yeah, well, um, it's it's been it's been a learning curve, but we are definitely fortunate that um, we're we're able to keep our home. Um, mm -hmm. Our livelihoods are not hugely impacted, and we're also lucky that after months of staying home with a kid, we decided to send him to a daycare that was small, and yeah. that we could actually have some time uh, for our work and our lives and actually run the household. And yeah. we're also lucky to be in the neighborhood where we have close friends. Um, so we have linked up with some other bubbles um, mm -hmm. and occasionally can see people outside and inside, um, just close friends. So uh, that's really helped with happiness in general and having family nearby. Well, that's great. Um, sounds like you're one of the more fortunate ones, I think. Definitely. I, I haven't I haven't known too many people personally that have had experienced hardships, but I've, I've definitely read about it and I feel blessed and, you know, Sharon and I are here with each other and we're doing well and yeah, so knock on wood, so far yeah. things have I been mean, okay. I mean, I would say that we had some envy, serious envy going on in the beginning where we're like, if we didn't have a kid, we would be somewhere else. <laughs> and, but that silly thought, um, we're lucky to have the family and company and that he's healthy. But mm -hmm. when you see, I mean, as a musician too, when you see a lot of people getting active online and, you know, uh, adapting and coping with COVID and making music, you can't help but feel like, oh my God, when do I get to do that? Yeah. Um, so, and I see that there's a toddler asleep with Kimmy. Mm -hmm. your heart. My arms <laughs> will fall off. <laughs> Hey, Kimmy. Haven't seen him in a long time. Thanks for listening. Um, so you're our musical guest of the evening, bandoneonist and pianist. Yes, any other instruments? Uh, I play accordion as well, although okay. I would not call myself superb in that. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's yeah. kind of funny because the accordion is like the, the child of the bandoneon and the piano, right? 
<laughs> in a way. It, it, is a, it is a mix. And accordion is actually a grandfather of it all, uh, for yeah? the most part. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, uh, Bandurion came after that. So they're okay. distant cousins. And actually, they both have an um, ancestor going all the way back to China. Um, and Sheng, which is a mouth harp that you blow into it and it looks like a bunch of little pipe organ that you're holding in front of your mouth. Is it like a melodica? Is, uh, well, it's like a bunch of long pipes banded oh, together and then you okay. hold it and then you blow into it. So it's like you hold it up to your face. Uh-huh. And uh, people might want to look. Let me um, type Yeah, our, our, our producer Sharon here will want to look into that. <laughs> Chinese instrument, which is which also um, what predates organ. So organ, all the reed instruments, melodica, harmonica, accordion, these things all eventually go back to this. Hmm. Um, and cool. just thousands of variations. And nice. uh, yeah, so um, accordion is of course part of that family. And funny enough, as a so I studied classical piano. I was trained classically. I started when I was five, and um, I was a typical sort of a child who, well, Korean kid, whose mom decided what she was gonna be. Mm. So okay. I, uh, my mom's a classical singer. Her dream was oh. to play the piano. So she picked the piano for me, and then I started and stuck with it. Um, so when I fell in love with tango, which is another story, um, accordion was a more immediate instrument I could play because bandoneon, and forget about it. It takes many, many years and lots of, uh, self-punishing, you know, ears. So accordion was my transition instrument to start, um, flirting with tango and then eventually bandoneon kicked in. Interesting. So you're, um, five years old playing the piano. Did you love it? Did you enjoy it immediately or did it take time to grow on you since it wasn't your decision necessarily? It took a long time. It was something you had to do. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, to so, do. I see, I see. Yeah, and then I I think I, um, it was it was kind of like that until I my men, met my mentor in Hawaii and he really opened my mind and my eyes to and ears to what music is rather than just being an instrumentalist or being good at piano. And um, I think that really changed uh, things for me. So after that, um, it wasn't until conservatory, um, which I went to in New Jersey, by the way. And um, I think second year, I pretty much knew that I wanted to do something more than classical music. Um, so, but that wouldn't have happened without all the other influences and mentors. And um, also my dad playing music from all over the world because he was quite an avid listener, although he was not a professional musician. So I think the musics of other culture were always kind of waiting for me. And I think it took uh, practicing piano endlessly for me to feel like, okay, maybe there's something else out there for me. Hmm. And now you get, did you ever have a time during then when you were like rebelling against playing music? Since it was something oh, you yeah. had to do? I mean, as wild as a Korean American child could be, <laughs> growing up in a very sheltered home culture. Um, uh -huh. So I did, my mom let me quit uh, for a year or so. And then I think I really missed it. And there was some time in middle school. Uh, I was born and raised in Korea, and my family immigrated to Hawaii when I was 13. And I think uh, a little bit after that, I kind of needed a break. 
And my parents were kind of overwhelmed with uh, adjusting to new life. So that that absence happened. And then I came back to it and uh, of my own volition and continued. And um, I think part of what um, I'm grateful for having had that background and training um, so that I could figure out what it is that I was to do with Tango and Bandoneon um, as an adult. Hmm. Yeah, I guess having that knowledge, of course, ahead of time, will it speeds up the, the process for you already understand music and, and reading music and studying music and all these things. So really, you just had to focus on the technique of the instrument, right? Yeah, and I think the you might have, I don't know your dance background before tango, but um, there is learning the instrument, there is learning the music, but music is learned so differently uh, between genres. Mm. So especially learning classical music where you have a certain school of training and the processes and um, mm. you go to school and there's a repertoire and there's a performance route and all of those things that um, there's a microcosmos of that. But uh, with tango, it's learned completely differently. Um, you sit around, pick up a tune by ear. Uh, not, most of that is not really written in for you. Uh, you know some tunes you play. Um, well, famous, a good example is an asado, where you go spend 12 hours at your friend's house so that you can get some steak. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to play <laughs> some music in between and listen to other people. And uh, you go to lesson, not necessarily schools. And mm-hmm. uh, you learn by going joining some other orchestras or tango ensembles, and um, all of this information and knowledge. Yeah, um, I mean, I picked it up in the U.S. when I fell uh-huh. in love with it. I started kind of teaching myself in all kinds of ways that I could find, um, and then I kept going to Argentina, and then started getting surrounded by this, and um, I, I realized that it had to be approached really differently. So I, um, I think the most significant part of like becoming a tango musician was that I um, had to sort of transform uh, the way of approaching music and how it's transmitted to me and how I share it with people. So that was probably the most significant change. And uh, uh, tango dance had a lot to do with, um, it really helped me as well. So when you say approach it differently is that about is there a certain amount of freedom that you have when you play tango compared to classical music or a certain amount of improvisation that you're allowed or yeah definitely so there's um it's not about learning learning all the notes um Mm -hmm. because there's ten thousand versions of la comparsita right right um and everybody has a different take on it and um what makes you as a player and your band sound good or interesting is that you have your very own flavor to it Mm. that you add so you have to arrange a little you have to improvise and you have to have your own distinct style and you develop that style by playing with all kinds of people and listening to them so yeah the approach meaning that um it's not as simple as learning the right notes and right music and then go you know practice in ten thousand times and go for play in front of people you Mm -hmm. have to sort of showcase and workshop the music really differently before you're ready to perform for tango and so do you get as much joy out of that as the, I feel like having that rigorous training in classical will, will give you a lot of great musical preparation to be able to play around later as well, because you'll have spent that much time, you know, perfecting your craft. 
Yeah, I um, I would definitely say so. The the other side of that uh, story is also that um, you know how much it takes to be proficient at something, mm -hmm. um, but so therefore you also get impatient because you know, yeah. um, having played one instrument all my life, it was really humbling to start over and be mm. terrible at something. Well, what? How 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 old were you when you started the bandonia? I think I was in my uh, mid twenties or late twenties. Okay. Yeah. And that so was because it, you had already started dancing tango. I've... Yeah. So um, I should back up a little bit. So I um, after after studying in music conservatory, I decided to go to Korea for a few months. I wanted to study ethnomusicology, and I thought in order to study the music of other cultures, I should know my own origin first. So I wanted to learn traditional Korean music, history, background, and theory. So I enrolled in school to take a bunch of classes of um, having to do with the traditional Korean art forms. And then I was going to lots of concerts and uh, lots of cheap tickets. And I went to listen to a, a touring group from Estonia and Gideon Kramer, who is a very uh, yeah. amazing violinist. He mm -hmm. is a specialist in interpreting Piazzolla. Yeah, I've, I've heard that album, uh, one of his oh, yeah. albums with Piazzolla. It's, it's and I would say he's like one of the very few classical musicians who really get it, who really get Piazzolla. I think a lot of wants to play it and had play it, but I um, he really made something of it um, mm. in his own way. So his group came to play, and then I was like high up in the cool. concert hall in the cheap seat, and I was like, I was feeling electrocuted, like something mm -hmm. really hit me. So um, I tell people that I went to Korea to look for, you know, look at my identity, and then Tango was waiting for me there somehow. <laughs> you never so know when it'll. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, uh, a single concert can change your life for sure. I mean, a single uh, moment. I feel like my life has followed a series of of traject a trajectory of like just a series of moments that led to the next moment that led to the next moment that put me where I am. I never, because I, I'm not the type of person that makes a conscious decision like, I'm going to do this as a job. You know, it's sort of like I got into tango by accident and then I met Chico and then, you know, next thing you know, we're teaching and then it becomes a job and we run in Milonga. But it was not like I was, you know, a child thinking, oh, someday I want to be a tango dancer, you know, when I grow <laughs> up. Um, I don't think anybody is, does asset of Argentina. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's why this this moment, you mentioned this uh, as a musician, how working, you know, living right now through this time is challenging, especially with a child. But, like, I feel like a lot of my friends have adapted better to being tango teachers online. And I've done a little bit here and there, and, well, more than a little bit. And um, But I know it's definitely not, it would not be what I would be doing with my life if this was the only way we did it. Um, and I'm just, and sometimes now that I have a lot more free time, I'm, I wander around the neighborhood and I think like, I wonder what, if I hadn't stumbled into this, what would, it, what would I be doing at the age of 38 right now, you know, hmm. but um, one that never knows. That is a very interesting thought. And I, you know, about are we doing enough using, maximizing the COVID time? That question of course dogs us, but at the same time, I think I'm getting trained in being kind and patient because 
you know, this is not the time to like make the most out of it. This is not a self-fulfillment time. <laughs> this is survival time. So like, I, if I, I, I the virtual I, stuff, so be it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel like um, I've, I myself and I feel like a lot of people I'm, you know, interacting with are doing our best to be productive during this time in certain ways yeah. and not just, you know, pouting about. Uh, I had like a bad two weeks, week or so, two weeks of, like right around the end of August was, and it wasn't even, I don't think that bad, but like I definitely reached a low point during the, the quarantine and mm. I just had to like change my approach. You know, I had to start getting out more, start seeing people more, but like safely. Um, yeah. I, I kind of reached this point where I was like, all right, this is here to stay for a while and I need to figure out a way to deal with it, but still be, um, I, I joined a, a rock climbing gym last month. So I've been doing that frequently now just to get out and meet new people and things and that sounds yeah, really healthy. just trying to like balance out some because in the early days like at first i thought this is going to blow over so my buddy alberto in <laughs> cleveland he's like oh do you guys you want to play some video games online together and we did that a couple times and and then i bought like civilization six and i played that for a couple days and then i was like okay holiday's yeah. over you know what's that yeah but now it's like, like okay holiday's that? over i can't fucking sit around and wait for this to end and not do anything because this could be who knows how long so it's time to like get back to work or get to work and um yeah, yeah so were you oh uh, yeah sorry no, i was gonna go back to your 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 comment uh, about when you started learning bandoneon a little later it was very humbling um yeah did you have a but you have a you had a different perspective at that age because you had learned something you knew it was going to take time. Were you more patient with yourself, or were you more frustrated with yourself? Um, maybe it's comparable to the pandemic. Okay. <laughs> the handling. So I, um, I mean, I knew I fell in love with this, so I started going down the rabbit hole: piazzola, bandoneon, tango, and then um, I immediately sort of like dug down to sort of wanting to know more than piazzola. And, uh, and knowing the whole genre. But so I, a couple years later, after that, I moved to Philadelphia. And then I was like, well, I don't have an instrument. Nobody's a tango musician, as far as I can tell here. So I was like, maybe I should learn to dance. Hmm. So I started taking classes in Philly. And then that became an addiction, like all of you guys know. And was that with Leslie and Kelly? Uh, it was um, Andrew Conway. He was like, oh, I remember that guy. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was out of convenience because uh, it was like two blocks from my work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by the way, I was holding down, I was, had started on a different career at that point, starting out as an um, uh, economic development person working for the government of the city of Philadelphia okay. and um, doing community development and um, helping immigrants um, navigate through the city system, advocating for them and changing the system uh, within the city uh, so that we can retain and help, you know, wow. immigrants uh, thrive. I still say we because it it was a decade long career. Anyhow, so that was sort of starting as a different identity. And then I was learning dance. And then eventually um, uh, I, I went to Argentina and the goal was to buy the Mandanaon. Okay. And um, I spent two months there went to so many milongas, took classes every day, and um, was on a hunt for bandoneon, found it with the help of good friends, came back, and then I would pick it up and then put it down for the next four years. 
Mm. I was really, really not <laughs> doing well with it. Does your Bandoneon have those two little um, brackets on the top that you could hang it from your neck? Because I, I, I heard that the people used to play it standing up when they would walk around, and some of the old, old ones still have these little metal brackets. Yeah, um, I have two Bandoneons. Uh, mm -hmm. The one I bought in Argentina, which is a Premier, uh, it, that has it, those okay. little brackets. I have not put it to use, and um, I think I'm okay without the <laughs> little string. Yeah. And um, my second bandoneon is actually um, made brand new by a wonderful, wonderful luthier in Buenos Aires, in Almagro neighborhood, and uh, it doesn't have those brackets anymore. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, to wrap up the story about going back and forth, it, it took a while of patience trying again and studying with some Bandoneon players in New York and then going to Argentina addictively and studying with a lot of different people, taking lessons. And then I eventually moved there for a year and a half between uh, from 2014 and 16. Oh, wow. And that's when I could, so, um, and I quit my job. It was time to end that career mm -hmm. and um, go back to music full-time, which has been a long uh, sort of desire. Was that so, a difficult career? Was it frustrating? Was a, Were there frustrations? Was it hard to get people help that needed to help? And in, 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 does Philadelphia have an infrastructure to, to support that kind of, I mean, did you feel like you were struggling all the time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't study it and it was a brand new field. And mm -hmm. at that point, Philadelphia was the only city that had um, decided to create a position to just be dedicated to immigrant businesses to help mm -hmm. them. Wow. So, um, it was a groundbreaking work and everybody was learning as we go. So we're literally building the airplane as we're flying. Hmm. Um, so there was a lot of growing pain and birthing pain. And then um, sort of me trying to figure out like, what am I doing here? And how do I advance the mission and the career? And largely, I think the difficulty was also, it's a very black and white city. It has changed quite a bit, uh, but it was even more so a uh, black and white city population wise, 15, uh, 20 years ago. So um, a lot of people had to get used to the idea that there was somebody uh, being paid to help immigrants. Mm. And so there was a lot of culture shift that I had to go through with everyone. So that was a really challenging. It was definitely a life defining work um, and very consuming. So it was a sort of an eight to eight, 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 yeah. to eight PM kind of a job. And I was on call and the department that I worked in also worked closely with the mayor's office mm -hmm. and city council people and community dynamics and nonprofits. So that was definitely a, something that made me into a different person aside from mm -hmm. music. Yeah, it sounds like it would be an effort, never ending production kind of a thing. Like you were exactly. doing it all the time. So I was curious if you, if you felt like you kind of got wiped out in, in, in the end or something. Yeah, for sure. I um, I had my freaking life crisis in Buenos Aires. <laughs> so I, I mean, I decided to quit the job. Um, by then, I had sort of gotten promoted all the way up to the position that I had dream of. I was directing their international business development at that point. And I created that position. And then I was like, okay, um, there's nothing more that I really want to do now. And my youth is uh, sort of down the toilet with the city. Um, so yeah, it, um, I had to quit and then to go to Argentina, it sounded like a really romantic idea, but I also knew that it I would be crashing from life. 
So I was mm. kind of hiding out there. Mm. Well, that's a good place. Can... I mean, that's where yeah, a lot exactly. of people go to do that. <laughs> I thought about it a few times in my life. I'd go down there and I'd be there for, you know, the, the four-week trip or whatever we had planned, Chico and I. And there were nights when I'd be at the Milongas like, I could come here for a year. Just hide yeah. out in these Milongas every night and just become and like a vampire. Oh, I know. And mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have um, have gotten a grant and saved up so that I can live like a frugal student for a year and a half. And um, it was the most amazing thing. And But I was definitely uh, burned out from mm -hmm. life and trying to keep up music. And I, so like on the side, I kept chasing tango and I didn't know where I was going with this. I didn't have a career plan. I just knew that I couldn't live without it. Um, so I went and found out, learned some more and, um, came back. So, yeah. So Bandunewa was a long time coming. Mm -hmm. Well, would you like to share a piece with us? I have your sure. pre I have this track you sent, which we can play later, but I would love to hear something live first. I think our listeners yeah, let's well. start with uh, Bandunewa since we talked so much about it. All right. Great. Okay. I'll play for you. Um, uh, folklore. So this is called La Compañera and it's a Zamba piece, uh, Zamba with a Z, which is quite different from Brazilian Zamba. And um, this hails from northern parts of Argentina. And um, all right, here we go.
that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Not they're bad. watching soccer instead of listening. <laughs> well, sometimes we don't have the opportunity to play that, and so it's just this weird, quiet silence after. <laughs> mm. And we're used to being applauded when we perform, so. Yes. But that was beautiful. So that's a Zamba? Yeah. And uh, it was arranged by, uh, well, I did some tweaking, arranged by Maximo Mori, which is another um, incredible tango, uh, well, bandoneon player. And he wrote a lot of arrangements of tangos. Interesting. So one of the people who entered the, who is on the call, listening in, is Anibal Troilo. Oh, that's, that's so, my alter ego. Oh, good taste, obviously. <laughs> yes, speaking of bandoneonists, um, I, I often check in through my phone to see how it's set. Because I, I use a microphone and a headset going through my computer, but sometimes I'll check in through the phone to see how it sounds for everybody else out there. Just to, you know, yeah. just, to just take a peek, because I, I never thing. know. Mm -hmm. Funny story, uh, when I moved to Argent um, Buenos Aires, um, one of the first tango orchestras that I got to join was called Hannibal, um, Han like Hannibal, but mm -hmm. it was their joke, it was sort of like their wordplay, on, it was named after Hannibal Troilo, but they wanted to make it funny, so they named ah. it Hannibal, and our logo, our logo was um, Dr. Um, Hannibal Lecter in his... Um, the terrible mask, muzzle-looking thing, uh -huh. Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> so that's my first tango orchestra experience. I find that I've, I'm, if I had to pick my favorite, oh, this is an interesting question, not an interesting question, but a question for you. Uh, I, I've, I would say my favorite tango orchestra and arranger is Dari Enzo's orchestra. Um, ah. And then, but I've been like, Really loving all, all things Troilo for the last few years, but I guess my my love for Darienzo is because of his his gift of kind of waking tango up again and bringing it back to life. Yeah. The unstoppable way... rhythm. Yeah, I mean, if you hear tangos before you know mid thirties, they're all very canado-y, very mm -hmm. you know marchy. You know that's just the way it was, and he and he and he inserted a different energy to it. And then I feel like the next person to come along and kind of re give more resurgence was, was Troilo because of the way his, his musicians were able to take the same music and just, and just play with the timing, the tempos, the syncopas, things like that. Yeah. And one is with impossible without the other. Um, yeah. And they're very iconic two very different camps. And um, it's not to be really ranked, I mean, although I would say Troilo just takes it to a very sublime level of um, very sensitive musicianship. Um, but um, Darienzo just gives you very different life. And mm -hmm. um, I, I might have dismissed it as a tango dancer, as somebody who dances along with it. It's fun, it drives you, and then you can really um, add a lot of oomph to it. So I might, have, um, I might have dismissed it as like not really complex music. But then I joined Aces of Rhythm, the sextet that plays um, mostly Darienzo music, or in mm -hmm. his style, and it kicked my ass. I was <laughs> like, oh, 
it's not that easy. <laughs> this is what it takes for you to be that groovy and for um, things to sound like really driven and almost kind of simple, but there's so much um, undercurrents and you know, in all of that. Well, I wanna I wanna ask you, Kimmy Kimmy wrote a question. Actually, I was thinking about this too, his question. But I wanna ask you, who is your favorite um, overall? Like, who would you consider your favorite orchestra? Oof. Oh, it's a toss up between Troilo and um, Pugliese. Okay. And I see that Kimmy asked a question. Yeah. That was a very perceptive question. And yeah, I was gonna. Was I was curious too because, like, I know there's so much underlying racism <laughs> down there, <laughs> and especially with Asians, like they there's a, definitely a tendency to be to have racist. Uh, <laughs> I mean, anywhere, yeah. but but um, yeah. So, what was I mean, your experience? Like being down I definitely there. stand out. I mean, I was already um, puzzling people here, saying that I'm playing tango or that I'm learning tango. Um, and then when I got there, I mean, from the very first visit, which was 2004, I think, um, people will call me Chinese, of course, China, Chinita, and um, there's nothing else. And of course, um, there is a really actually quite big, um, sizable Korean town in Buenos Aires in the mm -hmm. section of uh, Florida. Oh, yeah? yeah, it's quite big. And I have to say the restaurants are pretty high quality for a small population. <laughs> um, so, yes. So arriving there, I knew um, people would, it, it was met with wonder, sometimes appreciation, some suspicion, and mostly sort of dismissing, ah, you know, she, what can she really do? What does she know about tango? Um, and so dealing with that um, was a lot of work. And um, of course, with the language barrier, I spoke very, very minimal Spanish once I, w when I got there. And um, having stripped of identity, because if you don't speak the language, you're not able to um, express who you are. So yeah. you are whoever they see you as at the moment. Um, so that was tough, but I, I would say, um, people were for the most part gracious. Um, now when I say people, there are neighbors or people you run into and other parts of life outside of tango. And then there's tango people. And, um, it was a fair combination of kind of, uh, resistance, curiosity and dismissal. Yeah. There, there's still like, I mean, I know a, a Korean Korean, I'm not sure if he's Korean American, but he's he lived in New York for a long time. He's back in Korea now, but he auditioned to be in a in a tango show here in New York. They were doing like a a nightly like like they do in Buenos Aires, like a nightly tango performance oh, yeah. dinner kind of thing. And mm -hmm. he didn't get the gig because he was Asian. You know, he oh. didn't look the part, and he's okay. he was a great dancer. Um, oh. And it didn't. They didn't come right out and say it, obviously, because uh -huh. you know who was going to say that. But I mean, this guy is a really good dancer, and it was like, I think there's other things going on here, and I, I feel like even as a redheaded white guy, I, I felt a little <laughs> bit of that. Like people look at you kind of funny, um, especially I. My first trip down there was in '05, and it was already turning into what it is now, like more tourist. It's not like if you went there in the '90s as a, as a tourist for tango, but um, 
but even in the early days back then, like being a white guy, it was me and another guy from North Carolina. We'd met down there, and I kind of, and we kind of probably connected because we were these two gringos, you know, young gringos in Argentina. Um, but we did feel like, you know, you could tell there was people looking at you look a little differently. It's not like living in Philly or New York where it's so diverse and yeah. it's such a melting pot that you could walk around naked and nobody's going to like even bat an eye. <laughs> and as Americans living in a metropolitan city, uh, we have certain comfort level. We don't really think too much about it. I mean, there's different I, identity within America that we contend with. But going down there, um, I definitely felt less American because they don't see the Korean American label. They don't know that. All they right. see is this Asian looking woman. Mm. Um, and to paint the picture, you're absolutely right. Like people who are coming down in the tango scene, I mean, there's a lot of international um, musician sort of uh, makeup. So, and it keeps getting more musical. I mean, it keeps getting more international, but um, I think I was one of the very, very few Asian women at all. And I did meet two other Korean American bandoneonist um, <laughs> eventually and befriended them. Um, I would say it really helped that um, the Hanibai Orchestra that I joined, um, they were, I joined it because um, they were a longtime friends and they invited me. And then I had that sort of a safety net as people who knew me and appreciated me. So. Uh, whatever scars that I was um, getting from outside that bubble, <laughs> they really helped me yeah, feel yeah, yeah, appreciated. Yeah, and they loved me for loving their music and culture and for wanting to know more. Yeah. And yeah, I had to sort of convince myself that, look, um, like if some Argentinian guy showed up in Korea and wanted to learn traditional Korean singing, he would be met with so many interesting feelings well, too. So, the, you know, going back to what you're saying, like living in the United States in major cities, we have a very unique experience that no, I don't think most other major cities anywhere else in the world have is that our, we're populated by immigrants more so than anywhere mm -hmm. else. So like, even if you're in Berlin or, I mean, especially if you go to Japan or certain places like, like over there, but uh, even in Europe, like Paris, big, big metropolitan cities, you know, a lot of those people are not, we're not, they're not as much of a melting pot is not only yeah. just New York, Philadelphia, you know, Chicago, San Francisco. So like you said, you're here, you're a Korean American, but the moment you leave that reality and you maybe travel somewhere else, they don't, they don't, I remember like when I was in Europe for the first time and I met a guy from Spain and I was, you know, like 17 or 18, I was pretty young and ignorant. And I, I asked him like, if I said, we were talking about something and I used the word Hispanic, and he had no oh. idea what that meant. I didn't call him Hispanic. I just said something about Hispanic, and because I, I don't remember the conversation, I just remember realizing that he had no reference to what the word Hispanic meant because we use it to like kind of just bulk everybody from Latin America together in a way, like oh they're Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "You mean Spanish?" And I'm like, "Well, no, that's you're Spanish. Yeah. You're from Spain." Um, and it was just <laughs> lots of those moments. <laughs> And, but I mean, one thing for sure was that Bordeños preferred to call me Coreana as opposed to Shanki, which is their word for gringo, like Yankee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, it was, a, it was hilarious for the most part. And um, I think it helped that I was kind of crashing from life so that I was willing and to be a little bit more open mm. about um, being thrust into it. And look, I'm the one who volunteered to go to their country and yeah. learn their music and culture. So if I can't stomach it, then, you know. And luckily mm -hmm. I have gone to Argentina like a handful of times for a long extended period of time. 
So I'm definitely lucky that I had some, I had pretty good idea of what to expect and that I was not like, my eyes were not, I wasn't completely sort of mm-hmm. mesmerized. Right, and, right. Yeah. You know, I, I was pretty realistic about what the city and the country had to offer. Yeah. Or but overall, I, I, I agree though, like overall, most people, especially on an individual level, are curious and want to learn and want to get to know people regardless of where they are, whether it's Buenos Aires or yeah. any other city, you know. And but when there there's are... no sufficient language um, capacity, um, you really have to reveal yourself as a person and show more gestures and be more human and really rely on, re- you know, more raw emotions. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really humbling and um, uh, growing for me. Yeah, it's good. I remember I was in a in a, a grocery store in the Chinatown down there, which is, you know, a couple square blocks near Belgrano. Yeah. And uh-huh. th- I mean, this is back when you couldn't still yet find like peanut butter anywhere in Buenos Aires. I think now it's getting a little more common. <laughs> they have peanut butter, like even at like the, the Diaz and the other grocery stores. So we would go to Chinatown to find like peanut butter and things like that. And there was something in a, there was some green uh, vegetable. Uh, and, and there was an Argentine man there with his wife and I heard them talking and they couldn't figure out what the fuck it was. And they saw me and they said, well, he's a green, he's what, he's a green go. He must know what this is. Like assuming that because I'm not an Argentine, I must know what like uh-huh. a Chinese vegetable. I had, I had no idea what the fuck it was. I think it was like Chinese broccoli or something. I don't know. <laughs> but he thought to ask me above any, anybody else in the grocery store is Argentinian. So like, he knows not to ask that. Uh-huh. And he sees this to me. <laughs> it's like, Hey, you You're know lucky what this they is? They didn't expect you to speak Mandarin or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I don't know what that is, man. But I'm sure it's good. <laughs> I mean, one thing for sure, I, I really appreciate their sense of humor. And oh, to, yeah. I mean, they're a little bit more direct, uh, mm-hmm. more sort of, I don't know, a lot more affectionate, too. So I mm-hmm. think that helped with navigation. And yeah, so it, it's a good question. Thank you for asking that, Kimmy. Like, that was a lot to contend with. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm learning Spanish now, and um, I'm very happy because, like you said, when you don't speak the language, you, you just cut off. And and in the past, when I would go down there, I didn't speak any Spanish for the first few trips. And everybody I knew would tell me, oh, Argentines are so friendly, and you know they'll just strike up a conversation with you if you're in the line at the bank or if you're... And I always felt they were standoffish, but then I realized I was standoffish because I couldn't speak Spanish and I was terrified to get into a conversation with somebody. (laughs) And then the more my Spanish grew and the more I just got more comfortable with myself being in a foreign country and what that, I realized that like, yeah, the culture there is super sociable. People are not, not, not maybe not necessarily in tango as much, but like just on the street and in the day to day interactions, people, people will stop and and just talk to you for 10 minutes. You know, you don't really mm-hmm. have that a lot. In New York, you don't really have that at all, especially post or pre-COVID. Oh, like, nobody had time for that. But yeah. um, And no eye contact, God forbid. Yeah. Oh, that's – it's so different now to be – I mean, things are a little bit back to normal, but there was a, a brief few months when, you know – I mean, I, I live in Brooklyn, so it's different, but we'd walk around the neighborhood and people would smile and say hi, and it felt like you are in, like, Ohio or something. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Everybody started becoming Midwesterners. I know, right? They did. It was like, oh, wow. Be human. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I want to just briefly bring it back to tango, music, and mm-hmm. dance. I mean, it, at the end of all that sort of racism, we're getting to know each other. 
um, at the end of the day, if you can show up on the dance floor and if you can show up on the stage mm -hmm. and do a hell of a job, that's sort of end of story. So yeah. through all my uh, troubles, like I told myself, if I play better, less questions mm -hmm. asked. If I can show them, less explaining to do. So that uh, sort of, um, um, I was kind of driven by that. Yeah, I was just going to say that must have been a really great, I mean, I feel the same way as a dancer of tango. Like it was exactly. motivating for me too. Like people see you walk into the Midongo or, you know, or even back when we used to get hired at the festivals and we'd be like six couples from Argentina and then us and, you know, other people, you know, I just felt like this weird, like, okay, people aren't going to want to work with us because you know, we're not, mm -hmm. we don't fit the whole stereotype. And it just motivated me more and more to want to learn, you know, the music that not just how to dance tango but i mean i study the history of the music the history of the orchestras like mm -hmm. the, i mean the history of the city you know so many other things just simply because i feel like i need to like know all that shit and to like make up for the fact that i'm a white guy exactly. from cleveland <laughs> <laughs> it really makes you uh, become an overachiever and yeah. really in the art there's nothing else end of story if you can show up and um, be good um nothing else really matters in the end that's true well we're gonna do you did you want to play two or just one um well it's up to you i i have a piazzola piece in uh ready Ooh, that'd be awesome. but you also yeah. have a piano piece um so it's it's up to you with the time uh if you want to um, no 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 i really want to hear the piazzola so we can do that and okay. then i'll play this piece that you maybe i'll play this piece at the end of the show Sure. To fade us out, and then we'll get to yeah. Oliver soon. But yeah, I'd love to hear the piazzola. Okay, here we go. Uh, so this is Luca Vendra, um, piazzola's piece, and uh, this very dense, crazy harmonic uh, rendition is a uh, arrangement by Nestor Marconi, which is also mm -hmm. a grand master bandoneonist.
Wow, that was absolutely amazing. Thank you. That was great. So do you think you would have started playing the bambonion if you didn't play piano first? Huh. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a hard, it, as yeah, a pianist, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine an identity without it, but maybe not. Because the same question that I'm getting from some friends and my husband every now and then is like, you already play piano, so why didn't you play tango piano? Why did you have to pick up Andoneon? Yeah. That's what I get a lot. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, so maybe I wouldn't have gone for it, but I think it had to do with the person that I fell in love with, which is Piazzolla. Mm -hmm. And since he played it, I blindly thought, why don't I try it? Really interesting. Yeah, that's great. Well, it was beautiful. Um, Thank you. So do you have anything planning coming up? Any? Are you up to anything online? Are you just uh, practicing? Um, trying to. I'm actually <laughs> going to be in New York uh, two weeks from now. Uh, I'll be playing with um, Pedro Girardo's quartet in okay. Terrassa, which is in Queens. Um, so I'm playing on 17th of Tuesday. So it'll be my first outdoor uh, performance um, with tango anyway. So that's that's kind of exciting um, to be able to kind of resume that because before COVID, I would be in New York at least once a month. To mm -hmm. play with um, different groups. So, yeah, um, if you guys are around, um, it'll be wonderful to see some faces. But I um, don't have any plans, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Tuesday? Hmm, I don't know. I might be um, playing board games or something. <laughs> oh, heaven forbid. Um, yeah, so that's that. Yeah, and, I'll, uh, um, I'll, I'll find it on Facebook. Um, we had Pedro on the show a while back. Was, was, oh, I never, nice. I actually never met him before. Well, I haven't met you either. So, <laughs> um, well, you and I actually have briefly when I played for the Milonga in uh, New York with Aces. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, but it's, it's yeah, not uh, but yeah. I mean, I, I've bumped into Pedro here and there too, but um, yeah, we had him a while ago, and it was, it was fun. Um, yeah, that's the nice yeah. thing that the the thing about this this podcast thing that I've like the silver lining is that it's allowed me to allow, to meet a lot of people that I've seen or even worked with, but never had a chance to talk to. Um, yeah, Chico and I we both rarely get a chance to talk like this, you know, yeah. when we even between the gigs and performances and milongas. But, I know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really nice because you'll be on stage and then you'll go take a break and I'll dance and you know, we never. <laughs> yeah. Never and then it's time to change and uh, you know get back yeah. up, mm -hmm. but. Yes. No, it's actually, I have to also thank you for this, um, not only having me, but this being a podcast because not being on video is a huge relief for me for some reason <laughs> yes, right now. I agree. No, I mean, that's well, uh, when we started, this was the what March 18th was our first episode. It was before zoom. Yeah. Everybody got on zoom yet. It was, before, you know, everything was just getting started with the quarantine and mm -hmm. we just, I had a podcast already where I would interview people and, but it wasn't live and, you know, I messaged Chico and I said, why don't we try to do this in place of our milonga? And, um, and every week, the more and more we're on Zoom, the more and more we're online. We're so grateful that this is just a podcast that's like, you know, you can walk around. I'd be, I had to be in Michigan a few months ago and I could just 
take a walk with my phone and do the program from my phone and chat. You don't have to worry about what you look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's also beauty in sort of like getting a little formal and seeing each other's faces. And I appreciate that. Um, but this, I don't know, not having the visual makes you focus on the conversation and listening to people a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So this Did you has know, been a real pleasure. Did you ever listen to Terry Gross? She does. She's from Philly. She does fresh air. Yes. Uh-huh. Did you know that she makes, she doesn't make, but she requests. So she never does her guests. Her guests are never with her. They're always remote since oh, forever. I see. They'll be yeah. like in the local, uh, I believe they're like at the local NPR station in their community or whatever city. Um, but they ask that they, she asked that they turn all the lights out in their room when, when they interview, when she interviews them. Huh. So that they sit in complete darkness, which I thought was really interesting. <laughs> I don't know how many of them do it, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I just, I, have... I just, I'm naked, so I'm more comfortable. <laughs> Kudos <laughs> to you. I don't want to know your heating bill. <laughs> Um, no, as a performer, you think that I would like to be seen? Sure. I mean, but I think what I value more than anything is playing with other people and um, being videoed and um, kind of having that all that appearance can be a lot of work. So, um, you yeah, know, this has been a pleasure. And I, I think we all have to find where we, th what kind of situation we thrive best at. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll let you go, but I'll just piggyback on your point i feel the same way as a tango dancer i do it because i enjoy the com communication and the, and the dancing with other people but ne not necessarily because of how it looks or the, the the shows parts of it or any of that but it's all part of the same animal so you have to do it all but yeah yeah okay well well um thank you for joining us it's been a pleasure getting to know you i'm sorry chico couldn't join us but i'm glad that she's well and her family is well and um, of next time, I'll, I'll just have her give you a call one day out of the blue. You guys can catch up. Okay. <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you, Shinju. Thank you, everyone, for Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Well, that was nice. Speaking of Chico, um, I got a funny – she's uh, keeping me updated daily. And in, in typical Chico luck is uh, the other day they went back to Izmir – it was even yesterday, maybe Tuesday. God, yesterday was Tuesday, maybe Monday. They're in Cheshme. They don't have a heat in that house because it's a summer house. So they're freezing. They didn't bring much. So they go back to Izmir to check out their apartment. And they're told that it's not stable enough to be in right now. They have to have come be inspected. Uh, all the buildings built before 1999, they say, are not worthy of being around anymore. You know, um, by the way, Oliver, feel free to call in anytime while I tell this story. This is my segue time to get from Shinju to you. So, oh, that was fast. He's uh, He's got nothing to do tonight. Um, hey, Ali. How are you, man? I was listening to the ev everything. But keep going your well, let story. Let me finish my Chico story. This is funny. Of course. This is funny. I mean, it's, so, it's not funny, but it's funny. Um, so they go back to Izmir to get some stuff to take back to Cheshme to the vacation house. And it's an hour, hour and a half each way. They get back to Cheshme around, I think, sometime in the evening. And they're locked out of the house. Because apparently there was an earthquake or an aftershock. And it shook the, the, the vacation home. And it somehow bent the door. And they couldn't get the door open. 
And it took them another hour or two just to reach somebody to come out because the closest place for somebody to come from is Izmir, which is an hour and a half away. So they had to do a bit of convincing to get somebody to come out and get the door open for them. So they didn't actually get inside. I'll, I'll ask her more about this. Hopefully she'll be here next week. But um, they almost got locked out of their second home in the freezing hold after being, you know, earthquaked out of their first home. Just terrible. But that's uh, the luck of the Turkish. How you doing, Oliver? I'm doing very well. How are you, Adam? You're a professional podcaster, man. You're amazing. Oh, my God. You know, I, I, I watched all these YouTube videos and got my online degree. That's, that's well. I think that's the that's the best way of learning. Yeah. No more school. That's it. That's the way it is. So, um, thank you up, for man? inviting. For, thank you for inviting me to your program. Actually, I didn't invite you. Chico invited you, but you know. Okay, so so, uh, so okay, here we are. I want to. Uh, um, so Oliver, I'm so fascinated by so many things about you. Really? Um, my, I, like yeah, my, I'm like, being serious. I'm being serious. Well, okay. you're you're a producer of shows. You make shows. Is that how you got into tango? You were a producer first, right? Uh, uh, no, I started uh, as a tango dancer. I mean, I became like, like, like this is 1998. Mm -hmm. I started dancing tango uh, because I, the math in my life was not doing well. I was going to the discos and jumping like crazy to this music and yelling to girls because I wanted to talk to them and I couldn't hear shit and they couldn't hear me. So I said, I'm going to do something different. And then I was going back home to sleep alone. So the math at the end of the day was not doing well. So I, I said, I'm going to start doing tango. Maybe this is going to be good. And I fell more in love and I fell more in love in, with tango than with women. <laughs> No, but, seriously, yeah, then, okay. yeah. But my approach, yeah, was that. I mean, I, I, I was one of Mora Godoy's first producers for four years. And yeah. you're producing um, shows like on stage. What do you mean? What yeah, you mean? I was. Yeah, Mora Mora Godoy at that time. Now she's a very big, big uh, icon in Argentina. But Mora Godoy is a very, very famous uh, female dancer. That she's like the icon in Argentina. She's Horacio Godoy's. Uh, uh, sister and she danced with Barack uh, Obama. She danced. She danced Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, what she that's, did. That's true. That was that. That is true. And that's actually also the way to describe Moragoloy. <laughs> in, in 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 her way. No, no. In a good way. She doesn't give. She doesn't care. Yeah. When she wants, I mean, I know this. I mean, the, this is what it was written on the news. You know that now I live in Argentina. Uh, the protocols were saying you do not ask the president to dance. You do not approach the president. You do not this, do that. And Mora, I'm sure that she said, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to do whatever I want. And she did. Yeah, she made him look decent, you know. She yeah, did, did very decent. Yeah, and the funny part is that then she says to the press. He would have done. A, he would have danced amazingly. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, but so, yeah, I, yeah. So, what kind of stuff are you producing? And what is a producer? <laughs> well, uh, that is. You know, I think 
first of all, a producer, well, you're a producer, man. The producer is the guy who puts things together and produces and makes things happen. Sometimes mm-hmm. artists, artists, they want to be, you know, to be a producer and to be an artist, it's a big conflict, you know? It's like, mm, yeah. it's, it's, it's a big conflict. And, but this conflict, I became uh, above that conflict actually by spending my, one of my best years in the States, in New York, when I was there. Because I don't see any conflict between the artists and being a producer as an artist in the States, in New York. Because every artist knows that you have to really, really work very hard on your art. Regardless of the, the, the tools and the facts that you want to be chosen as an artist. Because that's every artist's dream. I want to be chosen and I want to be admired for my, what my art produces to the world. That's the definition of art, if you think about it. You know, I give my expressions, my feelings, you know, and sometimes people don't give a shit. So, and (laughs) exactly. And when you sell the shit, but then the artist has uh, a background or has content, the value shows. And that's what they think it is. And the producer is the guy. I think that the producer is the guy who has the vision to make something happen and create something using the artists, but using as tools, you know, like, 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 I don't know. If you see, for, for example, Chicho dance uh, and the way that he dances, in particular me that I think is a, he's Picasso, he doesn't dance in a way that we, most of us feel. I mean, he uses... Uh, all the elements of of dance as elements and he plays with them while others will approach the dance from a different way. But uh, I mean, when I say my producer, thank you very much. I mean, I take it as accomplishment, but I try to do things that I like to do, but I thank you very much. You're very, always very nice with me. But uh, again, for this last project that I've been doing, if you want to talk about that for two minutes, I don't Mm -hmm. mean to, because I remember Chico invited me, and then I didn't understand what was the invitation for. I think it was so cool that I wanted to talk with you guys, but then maybe it's the the the, the part of your show that you want to talk with 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 people from the from or just talk with Oliver. That is always fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always have fun together, you and I, man. Before you, before we continue, I have to play your official the official five questions theme song. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Five questions. Ten touches. Yeah. Five questions. Five questions. Five questions. I get it. I get it. You have to play it five times because it's five <laughs> questions and I'm stupid from Argentina and I counted them. It's five questions five times. I did it. I did, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, it's okay. like in the early days of this podcast, <laughs> we were coming up, like, we're trying to get it organized, Chico and I, because the first okay. episode was just everybody calling in, complaining about COVID. And we're like, after that, we were like, okay, this is not a COVID hotline. <laughs> we <need> to, <laughs> exactly. We need, a, we need some structure here. So we were throwing out, we were like stealing ideas from other shows, like, uh, you know, these radio shows and, and I came up with all these jingles, and one of which was this. I had Bat Johnson, you know, do the voice, and, and right, right, right. I'm, I'm, so I'm sure the, he didn't want to. He wouldn't. He didn't want to do the voices, Bat Johnson. I'm sure he didn't. 
Oh no, not at all. He just <laughs> sent me like thirty-five. I mean, he's still sending me. He's still sending me some voices. Like, oh, I just thought of this one. So we had a few other segments early, right in the early days, like where I had these little jingles, but they, I don't know, they weren't that interesting. And and I was much more interested just chat with people, like chat with guests. So this is the only, this is the only one that's stuck and it's been our tradition every episode to play it for the, our official, this is why you know now you're the officially the guest and not just some random person calling it. Okay, you know, thank so. you. I feel flattered, man. Thank you very much. Oh my God, I want to I want to talk about when I when I um moderated your class, you taught the Philly Tango Festival back in May, right? Yeah. And I tried to I I'm I didn't do it correctly, but you were new to Zoom. I think you told me it was your first time using Zoom. I believe you're kidding me. I, I almost I almost died of a heart attack. I never was well, so agitated in my life. I video I, I screen recorded it, but I had something on mute that didn't get the audio. But oh, my God, man, it was so funny because you're like stand your face is like right in the camera and you're screaming. I'm hey, screaming, man. <laughs> screaming. Like as, you're, like as if you're in a fucking like you're talking through a tin can. Oh my God! Yeah, the people on the other side. Some some people were looking at me like saying, "Oliver, it's okay, relax. We understand, Oliver." Uh, I I just wish the audio had come through because I was gonna send you. I wanted to make a big. I wanted. I was gonna make like a whole spoof on like online classes with Oliver Coker. Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, I was so frustrated. Surprise you with this, but. That that would have been fun. I was I needed oxygen after that lesson, man. I was so tired. Of course, man. It's so be... odd to teach online, right? I mean, I'm still I don't do classes that often, but I'm I'm getting more accustomed to it. But it's so weird because there's no, you know, there's no feedback. There's you don't. There's see nothing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I there's <laughs> no. nothing. I mean, I respect. I respect hundred percent. Everybody who does things, you know me, man. You know that I'm a very, I mean, I've tried to be a very stand-up guy in terms of I always say what I think or I try to say what I think. And this is like nothing, nothing, nothing is compared to the reality of our reality in tango. Nothing, nothing. But that doesn't mean that uh, we as human beings always try to find the way to fulfill our own needs you know even with the bad or with the good but that's the way we are we don't have a like a reset like okay okay no we keep going it's like it's like that. okay we want to dance so bad online lessons we go we talk to the computer we dance alone <laughs> we go we go we go we make it happen yeah we embrace the computer yes yes let's go, yeah. let's go. i don't know well but it's the way it is it's the way it is and for now it's this reality i think but then and yeah. we, we will talk about COVID, I think. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, uh, thank you. The, 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 the Philly Festival was the only festival I attended. That, and by the way, I think it was very well organized as usual. I That's mean, why look, I, I... I was so... Okay. You're, you, we, we, we have a pandemic in March. Meredith yeah. has a festival at the end of May. So yeah. essentially, like I know people that still can't fucking use Zoom, let alone, <laughs> you know, like yeah, let alone organize three consecutive workshops, think enough to have moderators, like that's smart, right? 
so that she doesn't have to deal with it. Um, get registration up, get the teachers organized. Like, I mean, marriage. I, well, I, I could see it happening now that somebody's had seven or eight months, but like she had like not that much time to figure out all this shit and get it. We're in it. I, from what I could tell, it was flawless. Like, you know, uh, one teacher was, was in, a, uh, what's his name? friend of mine a friend of Oliver's uh he worked with Carlo Morano um shit, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now but he was in a part of France where he had, he just didn't have good signal that was that was nothing Meredith can do about it Octavio but, Octavio god damn it of course yeah and yeah. other than that I mean I think everything was pretty much good like I, I didn't see any issues yeah yeah Meredith is Meredith claimed from Philadelphia she is she is uh, she's amazing working and everything, but I mean working. And that's why we decided to do together this little project that I can can tell you later. I mean, I I said to her, "You're the person I want to work with," uh, like that, and we we started this little project because everything went well. I then and the, basically the formula is I will supply the product, and you will tell me if I do it well or wrong according to your plan. <laughs> I mean, she is very, she is very, she, she, I, we work together very well so far. So Great. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think she's going to join. Yeah, of course. I, I want to talk about that. I also want to ask you See. about your... Hey guys. There she is. Okay, I'll ask you that. <laughs> Let's talk about the project now. We were talking about you, Meredith. I know. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay, I'm good. sorry I'm late. I was just going to tell. Yeah. What does morocho y peron, peronistas mean? That I know what be, peronista is, but... That would morocho. be Andres. Morocho y peronista means... Uh, I don't know how to translate it in English without being unpolite. So, Merit, it's up to you. <laughs> hello, hello. Who's there now? Marcelo. Yes, Meredith, we hear you. Oh, okay. Ah, Marcelo, ¿qué hace, negro? ¿Todo bien? ¿Cómo? Bien, vos. Bien, todo bien. How are you doing, man? Meredith, hey, nice to hear you. How My dear, we are, we are waiting for you. You need to give us the, the, the victory. Come on, you can do it. I know, I'm trying <laughs> so freaking hard. You can't imagine. You were phone baking and everything. Shit. Yeah, and now I'm just... This woman whiskey. does everything, everybody. Jesus. And if I drink enough whiskey, then we're gonna get we're gonna get our answer. There we go. I don't know what the okay. Tell me, yeah. No, I was gonna say what I want to talk about this project you guys are doing. This you're bringing a, a very well known musician. Mm. Yeah. Correct. You're producing a show. Yeah, we do. Uh, this. I yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Alan. I saw I saw the 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 publicity. Amazing. Congratulations. This is one of the best bandoneonist players ever. Totally. Absolutely. Lisandro Adrover, who is, yeah, he could be the best bandoneon player alive. Um, he was part of Tango Argentino back in the 80s, and then he's become the biggest arranger and composer for um, tango all over the world, including the whole soundtrack for Forever Tango um, and the soundtrack for... Uh, Oliver's beautiful movie, Fermin. He's played with symphony orchestras. He's just this absolutely amazing musician. And Oliver convinced us to do, uh, to, convinced him to do this project with us. Is that right, oh, Oliver? That's, that's, the, that's the, exactly right. That's the whole story. 
<laughs> yeah, then, yeah, exactly. No, no, those are the things. That, that, that was the plan, and so far we are we're managing to do it. So, yeah. We, we, so we recorded we recorded this beautiful beautiful solo album it's um lisandro had recorded i don't know like 10 or more albums with uh amazing tango bands but also with whole symphony orchestras um, and he had never before released a solo album and we convinced him to record one during the pandemic so that's coming out this saturday it's called exactly. soliloquy soliloquy like a like a single voice speaking out you know, alone into the nothingness. Um, and we recorded it during the pandemic in Buenos Aires, and it's going to drop all over the world on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere you get your music um, this Saturday. And we're celebrating that with a beautiful, beautiful online concert that was filmed in San Telmo in a gorgeous home, like an amazing, amazing space um, that Oliver found and uh, was recorded by Yael Shmulevitz, who's an incredible documentary filmmaker. Um, and so we have this beautiful concert that we're going to show Saturday night to celebrate the release of the album. And we're hoping you're all going to be there. That sounds amazing. And after that, there's going to be a live conversation with Lisandro so everybody can ask wow. him, you know, whatever questions you have about his amazing life. He played with Goshenetti, he played with Pugliesi, he's played with all the greats in tango over the past more than 50 years. Um, and, you know, it's just such an important uh, voice in tango musically and also as a person. Oliver, how did you convince this man to do this? Well, first of all, I'm a, I start when I was producing Mora first uh, show ever. This is in two, 1999. I was uh, Mora's uh, road manager, and I knew nothing about what is to be a road manager. And <laughs> yeah, and I took the whole company to Germany for 15 days, and I became very good friend of Lisandro. And since then, we became very good friends. I took care of the. I took uh, 30 people. Uh, I'm sorry, no, 25 plus the people from Germany on that tour and we became very good friends since then I, and then I had the chance to we became friends that's basically it you know and yeah. I, I visit him regularly and we talk about projects and when the pandemic started uh, and after I was just saying talking about you Meredith like we never talk <laughs> and and I when I saw that this amazing production capacity and 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 the way we see things in trying to make projects, I said, we should try to do this. And exactly what we, what we did in the video is actually more or less what happened. So I went to Lisandro and said, this is what we'd like to do. Of course, Lisandro told me, I'm going to play three or four tangos of mine. And I said, no way. And I said, of course, <laughs> Lisandro, of course, of course, Lisandro, whatever you want, of course. And he liked it. And, and sometimes it's difficult to lead with a, to deal with a with a, uh, an artist like that because he has his manners in such a sweet way that if you don't are not uh, I don't know how to say it, smart enough maybe you can have the the project difficult in a way you know because it's a big artist but not in a way like he likes to do things his way 
You understand? Mm -hmm. So uh, the relationship with him, it's sometimes like that. It's like, I can give you an example. I say, Lisandro, I'm going to pick you up at 10. We're going to be at the studio at 11. You're going to relax for a half hour. And at 12, you're going to be playing with the musicians. And he answers me, Oliver, you're going to pick me up at 10. We're going to be at the studio at 11. I'm going to relax. And then at 12, I'm going to play with the musicians. Exactly <laughs> what I said. But he has to say it. You understand? And I said, yeah, Lissandra. I says, good, good, Oliver. Very great good. Idea. That's a great <laughs> right? idea. And I, I swear to you, it's exactly the same. You understand? But then when he plays, it's amazing. Oliver, can you tell us about a couple of the, um, the pieces by Lissandro Adrover that are on the album? Yeah, of course, Alisa. Yeah, Tus ojos de cielo. Tus ojos de yeah. Yeah, so Tus ojos de cielo has a really important life in tango in Buenos Aires, right? Exactly. Not only that, he is the one that he composed the he composed that for the soundtrack of Forever Tango, the show, and also uh -huh. actually there's a video that it's showing also that it's when Claudio Villagra, who used to teach and live in New York, finishes the whole dance with Miriam Larici and throws her and lies into the, the bandoneon embracing it, like if it's choreographed amazingly by that time. And Lisandro composed that in, his in honor of his father's eyes. And it's a very important piece because Lisandro, I'm sorry, Horacio Godoy that we all know and, will, and love and respect. And when he created La Viruta, then he plays La Comparsita every night after the mm -hmm. when well, the milonga is about to finish, which is Alessandro Drover's arrangement, that, by the way, he mm. turns off the lights in blue and he plays to Soco de Cielo, who has ever been in La Viruta, knows that yeah. moment is very special, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Then he plays many, uh, Kent. Yeah. Many love stories happen with that song, too. So it's good. Of course. And many breakups as well. <laughs> So every time La Viruta closes, that's the second to last song. Lisandro yeah, Andrés, that, Tus de Cielo. Exactly. Amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. It's and, amazing. And then comes La Comparsita, also in his arrangement. Also then, his arrangement. Uh, Guys, I really think that this is... Song. Yeah. Sorry, it, it's important for, for me, uh, for the people that is there listening the podcast and listening the now that have never been to Buenos Aires. Imagine this, you're in La Viruta dancing like crazy, Horacio put amazing music, and then suddenly the the whole milonga, milonga that is around, I don't know, 500 people at least, huge, turn the lights on, and a super nice melody comes in, and and create amazing atmosphere. So imagine that sensation with that music that you're going to listen. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you, Marcelo. <clears throat> yeah, and then we recorded Candy, which is also a very, well, it's a, it's a song that I like very much and I insisted him to play and he loves it. And then I think there's the, uh, he did another one in honor to Gobi which is Alfredo Gobi, which is for every music. This is a curious thing about Argentina, you know? This is something very funny. All the dancers, like Carlos Copelo and all, the, all these dancers that are still uh, dancing, but they're in the maybe early 60s, late, late 60s, they all say, no, Gobi, Gobi, Gobi is the best. But because they heard the musicians saying Gobi is the best, but not as dance-wise, you understand? But I say, oh, Gobi, Gobi. And all, Gobi used to be a very, uh, Horacio plays, uh, talks very much about Gobi, which is a very guy 
who suffered very much in his life and he was like a visionary of tango and Lisandro chose to compose a song in, in his honor and it's called Dodego Viado and it's very beautiful, very powerful. So it's also in the album. And then something really cool about the event on Saturday is that it's not just um, hearing Lisandro play these gorgeous pieces and with beautiful video filming and editing and everything, but also you give a really interesting interview with Lisandro throughout. So you ask him about his career and about the different musicians he played with and the different places he went and what he you know who his influences are in music and everything so it's both a concert and also it's um, a chance to get to know a really important musician that we're you know we're really lucky is still we're, we're really lucky to have him still with us yeah yeah i didn't know there was an interview session too that's really cool yeah, so they're interspersed, so it goes back mm -hmm. and forth between concert and interview. And um, as you can imagine, since you know Oliver, he's just like the best interviewer. <laughs> oh, thank you very, thank you yeah, very much. Real, thank really you. good on camera, really engaging. Yeah, and just really brings out super, super interesting parts of Lisandro's life for, for us all to get thank to. You. It was a fun, fun project to make, you know, it, it was great. We enjoyed every minute, and I think it's going to be nice. I mean, it's something. And again, Adam, you were telling me, and you were talking about COVID. Everybody tries to do everything what they need with their with their tango, with their expressions. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's like that. I don't know. So I think it's uh, it's a good project that it's going on. Yeah, and when we recorded it, when you went and did it, you know, people still couldn't gather at all in Buenos Aires. You were in like a really, really intense lockdown. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. Couldn't couldn't play with other musicians. You could barely leave your house. You had to get a really special permission so that you could go do this, and Lisandro could leave his house and everything. So just the fact that it happened is like wow. pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, because, that's true. Because uh, the lockdown you were living was like so much more intense actually than anything we've experienced in the U.S. yet. Yeah, it was a very uh, hard lockdown. Yeah, but I got the permits and it's Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Like, well. Of course. And I was listening to your to your 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 other interview that you were uh, play, uh, talking with the speaking with the musician that she played the Bandonian piece Lo que vendrá was very attentive and I understood why uh, they were asking you at the at the grocery store in in Argentina if you knew what it was because you are more exposed in the states to more variety of things uh, that here that in Argentina you understand in, in many things but uh, it's it's it makes sense it makes total sense uh, yeah <laughs> very funny very funny well this sounds like a really great uh, project for Saturday night. So it's going to be at 8 p.m. U.S. time, which is now 10 p.m. in Buenos Aires, since you guys had a time. No, we had a time change, actually. So 8 p.m. in New York. And uh, you can go to PhiladelphiaTangoSchool.com to learn more about it and hopefully buy a ticket. Exactly that. Yeah. And of course, we'll, we'll send you free tickets, Marcelo and Adam. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no, never. Hey, no, oh, that is so well, nice. We would, be on, we would be honored to have you there, both of you. Of course, of course, of course. I appreciate, I appreciate. And, and this, I'm glad that you guys are married. It's something I need to take support to you. Uh, the work that you are doing in the, in, in the marketing uh, that you are doing in, 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 for your school is 
amazing and the way that you adapt to the new era of digital marketing is amazing so chapeau thank you and you're doing awesome stuff with tango spheres as well right you guys just had yeah, a weekend am. yeah yeah i'm i i'm i'm uh, sorry i always come here earlier so i'm i am in i'm in a, in a master now I'm, i came into the school so i'm doing a master in marketing and so wow. I'm studying everything that you guys are doing, and and this is why I'm I now with kind of authority, some kind of I can I can see the path that you are doing. Uh, it's really smart, and even if you can help in something, let me know, and um, I will much much will, will appreciate. You know that I appreciate you a lot, and you know that you're a powerhouse. That you, Melody was one of the first guests in Tango Spheres project. And for a reason, because she is a powerhouse, and all of us we know how much she worked for us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marcelo. Yeah, I think she was one and, of the first guests we had too. And and now what we all need is a good result in the U.S. presidential election so that we can move on with our lives. Is that still happening? I forgot. All, I was so yeah. I was so happy to not think about that for the last I'm hour sorry. and a half. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm so sorry because I'm actually glad it's it might be going in, in the direction we are. Hoping, um, yeah. But I was, I'm just, just it, should have seen me last night, man. Um, man. I guess we should have all seen each other. We would have probably all been together, like doing That's something. The thing. That's the thing. Last year, like we were suffering, but we could, we could be together and embrace and dance and drink whiskey and listen to music and you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like you got, you also had an event on Wednesday, the day right. after the election. Oh my last god, year. that and, was the rough day. Last year, last four years ago. Yeah, it was a rough day, but like being able to be together and be in community and be with friends and it, it changes no. it, right? Yeah, the, the no, experience no. of living through this alone is, but it also, terrible. it also sucks when you're the host of something totally. like, like tonight I was thinking and Shinju and I were texting on Monday and did the sound check and, and I'm like ready for the show on Wednesday. And she's like, ah, we'll see. I don't know how I'm going to feel after Tuesday. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Because when you're the host, you have to still, like, I can't come up here and be like, all right, everybody, life sucks. <laughs> and last time, when, when Trump won, we had a class, and I remember, like, going, I remember the subway ride in, and everybody on the subway just looked, like, like miserable. And then I remember getting to class, and we had, like, 20 students, and everybody is, like, waiting. You know, you could see that somebody wants to say something. <laughs> And then finally Chico and I, and like Chico and I got together before class and we were like, oh God, what are we going to do? Like, we talk about it, we just pretend nothing happened. And then like we get in and the students, and you know, our students are our friends. It's not like we don't know them. So I think I just said, all right, guys, I said something, you know, me, I just couldn't help it. Like Oliver, <laughs> you and I were talking about this the other day. Like we, we, we have a way to say things that are offensive, but don't offend people. <laughs> you guys have that in common. You, you and I, really? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, but I mean, I, in that particular moment, I don't think I said anything offensive. But I, I was just honest. Like, okay, guys, this sucks, but here we are. Let's take the lesson. Let's go to Tango Cafe later and dance and just, you know, have a nice time. I, I don't think I was that calm about it, but, but, um, but right. it's hard to be in that position because. You're the host. You're you're the you're sort of like the one people are looking to, and you feel as bad as they do, and yet you have to like, you know, be there. You know, be the be the person. So 
Yeah. And I don't know how it was there, but here, you know, we had people who had voted both ways. So to, to mm -hmm. be as, as sad as I was and as sad as many people were, but then try to make it a neutral environment where everyone felt comfortable. Um, but you know, you know what really is the magic bullet in that case? What? We bought the world's biggest bottle of bullet rye. <laughs> <laughs> and the night started out so heavy and so sad. Um, Rebecca Rourke Smith was here teaching and we were just down in the dumps, like so sad. And everybody came in and most people were dragging. And mm -hmm. But after the class, the Milonga started and we opened this bottle of whiskey and by the end of the night, it was gone. And it was like, it was like, it was like as tall as I am basically. And um, wow. Yeah, it transformed from like the depths of despair to the, you know, this manic party and it ended up being pretty much a You know what? Yeah. I want to get back to, you know, interviewing Oliver, but Meredith, I remember now the Indians were in the World Series in 2016 as well. So I think I was almost as as preoccupied with that <laughs> on Wednesday night than I was with the election because that was wow. the same night. Wow. It was the night after the election. And I, we lost. That was game seven. Holy fuck. It's all coming back to me now. Oh, my God. How did I you was survive that? That Trump's distracted. election and game seven, a game seven loss. Yeah. It's, like, it's you're really rough. strong. It was rough. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt, it was whiskey and it was um, friends, tango, dancing, being together. Um, Potato Poodle wrote that her grad school professor openly cried in front of a 300-person class. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Wow. Well, we'll see what happens. Look, All right. Should I leave so you can interview <laughs> No, we you need don't the, have to the, leave. The, the, the I want to ask, ask Oliver to... about his movie because he made a fucking movie, which is no simple feat. And I think that's amazing. And I want to know, like, how do you did that? And, like, what, what gave you the – did you study film? Did you study directing? How did you uh, work well, on this? How did you get well, that famous actor to star in it? Um, I mean, there's well, so many questions. Five questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, five questions. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a long question, but I'll be happy to answer. I, I'll try to make it fast. Um, first of all, um, I moved to New York in 2005 with the idea of working as an actor and, and I mean, starving as an actor and eating with tango. And the plan went perfectly because I starved as an actor and I ate with tango. And I was going to stay only for a couple of months in New York and then move to L.A. And, there. I, and yeah, I never left New York. I, I slept for the first I, I, I'm going for the f short story, I promise. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Also, I'm joking. also, I want to interrupt for a moment. I'm honored. Yeah. You know, you sent me a script for that movie two or three years before it ever came out. And you were like, can you read this and tell me what you think? And, and, I, and, at, and I was honest. I read it and I told you, I don't think the ending is good. And maybe a lot of other people told you the same thing because you totally changed the ending. I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 because the ending is another story. But I'm going to make it, I mean, the, the, my New York experience was the key thing. I mean, I was in New York, and in 2000, actually, I was already knowing Silvina. This is in 2005, and, and, and I was teaching uh, a lady who hired me 
because she's a psychiatrist from Argentina, Susana Balana, very famous one who lives in New York. And she was treating because a lady, a very old lady, she wanted to learn tango. She was from Argentina. She wasn't happy in her life. And as therapy, she wanted a teacher to teach her tango. Carmen, I will never forget this. And the first day I went there, I showed up. I said, are you Oliver Coker? Yes. Okay, you're going to teach us tango for two hours. You're going to dance for both of us. And Carmen was a very, very, very bad dancer. Very bad. She had no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, she was Argentinian. She rec- but she was, she was a sad person. Very nice, but very sad and no sense of rhythm. It was a, it was a very difficult job. But she liked structure. You understand? Oh, I have so many stories. So when I started, when, when I started teaching the lesson, Susana Balan, who was the psychiatrist, wanted to take over the lesson, like saying, like, for example, Pablo Pugliese told me a different thing. And Mariela Franganicio, who told me a different thing as well. I so I, I, I understood. Like that. Yeah, I, I, but I understood exactly this thing that she wanted to control the lesson and not let anybody teach because I think Pablo Pugliese to teach a basic, a basic thing is not so complicated. And he's of hell as a good teacher, the same as Franganich. I mean, for a basic thing, I mean, you have two feet, just walk. I don't know. I mean, how can difficult be? But I said to this lady, listen, Susana, I'm going to be very honest with you. I swear to you, I'm very good at this. <laughs> but if you don't like the lesson, no worries. You pay me and I leave. But let me, let me teach the lesson. Let me do it my way. Like this, I'm the tackle guy here. So when the lesson finished, Carmen, Susana asked Carmen, and she said, did you like the lesson? So Carmen and Carmen said, I loved it. And I, I, and I was in. So one day, yeah. So one day I was thinking and I said, you know what? I'm trying to come up with, a, with an idea. What happens if a character speaks only but in tango lyrics, do you think that tango has the nerve, the content, the, the profundity to, to make it happen? Like a character can speak only in tango lyrics during the whole movie. And she said to me, Susana, this lady, she said, Oliver, I think that's a great idea. And that was the first kick. Uh, the next day, I bought like five or six script writing books. And I spent like this next six, seven months studying, reading, and everything, and, and everything made sense to me because I studied business administration, and I was terrible, man. I didn't understand accounting at all. <laughs> I, I, I was a mess. I didn't understand it, you know? But then when I started reading these books, what is a scene? Like basic stuff, what is a scene? That doesn't, makes you, that doesn't make you that you're Shakespeare at all, but teach, gives you some tools how to, oh, I, I get it. What is the scene? What is the character? the dialogue or what is the conflict, what is this thing? And, and I wrote the first scene, like, like, the, like, like I wrote the first thing. Like I jump into the water after seven months. I said, fuck it. I'm going to try to write a scene. And I wrote it and I showed it to Silvina. And Silvina said, Oliver, this is a great scene. Very funny. Good. That was the second step. Four years later or three years later, I had the script. <laughs> so it took me... It took me a, lo- a long time to write it because I don't have, I still don't, but now I, I'm more trained. I, it's like I, I have dance script writing more in eight years, you know, but that was the whole, so 
When I finish the script, I send it to this guy, Hector Alterio, which is this famous actor. And it took like two months for him to answer me. And I was I still with Silvina uh, in Italy. When I say Silvina all the time, it's a very happy moment, okay? I, they're not sad moments. <laughs> Amazing moments. Silvina is one of the best things that happened in my life, of course. And so I called this guy. And I said, I'm Oliver Coker. How are you? Send you a script. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gloria del Tango. Because about, uh, at that time, I had that name, which is a shitty name. And he said, I, I Oliver, love your script. Oliver, right? no cursing. Remember? We talked yeah. about this. Well, yeah, but, we you're the one, but you're, you're, the, you're the number one cursing person in the mm. world. That's why we had a meeting beforehand. And we said, I'm yeah. not going to curse. You're not going to curse. Remember? Okay. Okay, you were, but Adam, Adam's didn't say that. Adam, do you mind if I curse? No. Um, I have. You're killing no, me, guys. You're I'm, killing I'm, me. Meredith is in charge now, and um, she's, she's <laughs> oh. telling you. I'm, okay, I'm okay. kidding. I'm kidding. I only say that because usually I'm the cursor. And yeah, you don't know. Yeah, and usually Oliver tries to keep it. me in line. I appreciate <laughs> it. I, I, I don't care either way, but I think it's very sweet that you, you stepped in and, and asked him not to curse. That's, that's lovely. I appreciate that. <laughs> Normally. You know, but that was when I... that was just a fucking joke because <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm because I'm yeah great. yeah okay <laughs> anyway sorry so, Oliver, anyway, Oliver I, I, it's a yeah. it's a beautiful movie anyone who hasn't seen Fermin you should go see Fermin what immediately is book, what is I'm gonna swear now what is the actual fucking name of this movie Glories de Tango or Fermin no Fermin Fermin is the name and uh, we okay. said Glory Glories of Tango because. Uh, out of Argentina, we thought marketing things that tango is a word that attracts audience. So, uh, if you think about it, it's it, it's in the war code T for tango. We own it, man. The T, it's ours. <laughs> <laughs> no one else can fucking use it. Exactly. And, it's and guess what? <laughs> it doesn't belong to Trump. Exactly. T is, T exactly. is ours. Yeah. Exactly. Got tango. it. We're going to take tango. it back. We're, we're taking tea back. <laughs> Oliver, how can people what? see Fermin now if they yeah. want to see it? Yeah, well, it's, an, it's still in, uh, uh, well, I cannot give it for free to anybody, you know, because I have partners. But it's, no, it's an, it's an Amazon Prime. An Amazon Prime, oh. you can rent it on Amazon and it's on iTunes. And people can watch it. They can rent it. It's, it's available. And thank you. I mean... There's something I want to say about something, somebody very important who meant, this is a very important thing that I don't know if many of you know. Adam, do you remember, or do you know Steve Cook? Of course, yeah. Of course. Steve Cook was a great actor, uh, great, actor, great uh, art, uh, uh, director's actor, and Steve was one of the kindest persons with me uh, in New York. I gave Steve Cook the script, I think is a better version than the one I gave to you. <laughs> and I tell you why. And he loved the script so much that he organized for me, and I recorded this, he organized a reading and he paid for the 15 copies of each script. And I did a reading at the Stella Adler studio at Union Square, you know, in, in Broadway in 14th Street. Yeah, and I organized a, he organized a reading with 15 actors, wow. English-spoken actors, and the, uh, the, the script was translated into English. And that was one of the best moments I had with this 
uh, uh, I don't know, like trajectory or process of doing the movie because I understood that the movie, even the fact that it was written in English and it, it, the characters spoke in Tango lyrics, the movie worked. Right, once you see it with the people doing the it, reading, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like, like the actors say, well, well, what the hell is this? I don't understand. No, no. Even if it was written in English, what it was said in tango, the conflict and the structure of the script worked. So I was very convinced that I was very near of being able to make this movie. And still I was like one year and a half be behind. So did you get invested? Uh, did you get one... um, financial support? How did you get it all come together? Yeah. In, the, in, Argent in Argentina, uh, the movie industry is 100%. I mean, not 100, but everybody uses it. It's subsidized. But it's subsidized not by the government. This is a very interesting thing that not who does who does not understand the industry in Argentina, how it works. Uh, every movie ticket in Argentina that is sold, 10% of the gross, not from the net, not from anything, from the thing that you pay at the counter, 10% goes to the movie institute. Wow. And from that, um, from that money, which is about uh, 2 billion pesos at today's like $7. $20 million. Dollars. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's sad, but it's the reality. Uh, from that money, the institute receives different, uh, half of the money pays the people and the employees who work at the institute. And the other half, they give grants and credits uh, to scripts and projects that they believe that have a big impact. So basically, the American movies finance all the Argentinian movies. That's the way it works. Wow. And the government maybe pays to this institute maybe 5% of the total budget that the, the, the movie institute in Argentina subsidized movies. So you have to write a script that has value. So if they see it, you go for it. And then is the whole thing, making the movie, finding a very good producer who is the one that I learned a lot how to produce a movie with Arnan and a director. And that's the thing. And then the deal was with Arnan. I said to him, Arnan, how many movies have you produced at that time? And he said, nine. And I asked him, and how many successes and blockbusters have you had? And he said, zero. <laughs> And I said, but you know how to make a movie. And he said, yes. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to do it together. And that's it. I didn't go for the best movie producer, uh, the script and my feeling deserved. No, I went for the one who said, I'll help you. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah, and, and, and it happened. But you know what? Doing a movie is a beautiful thing, but it's also a very difficult thing. And also it's, it's lucky. I mean... I mean, the story happens. People, I mean, I, it became very well, you know? I mean, as I tell Meredith, you know, it works. Maybe could have better production, better this, a little bit of that. Um, some shots are not so neat, and maybe I make some mistakes. But the movie tells a story, and, and it works. That's the, the most uh, accomplishing thing that I like about Fermi. You know, it works. And how was it to get the actors involved? I mean, I also want I just well, remember again, you shoot another short film starring um, a very famous American tango couple. You remember that film? Uh, um, the other film? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. 
That was a, that was that story is amazing. I thought it would have. You know this story, Meredith, and and you, Marcelo, you know this story. Uh, maybe not. No, what we did is uh, Julia was doing the, the Julia was doing the no, festival. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I said to Julia, why don't we use the the the? Why, I proposed to her, why don't we shoot a little commercial with all the teachers of the that they're in Buenos Aires? And Julia said, do it. <laughs> and I called Adam and Chico and I said, guys, you're lost in Buenos Aires, and all the actors are gonna be the people in Buenos Aires receiving you. And they're gonna, you're gonna be playing that, and we did it with Chicho and with Aoyke so and cool. with Juana. It was so surreal for us because this is like got to be ten years ago or something. I don't even know. And so there's you. Yeah. I mean, you and I were already friends, but I don't know Chicho except the fact that he's like a fucking tango god or something. And he's following Chico right. around. He's the cinematographer, so he's following <laughs> our dumbasses yeah. around Buenos Aires with a video camera, like shooting us like we're the stars oh you know God. it was so weird it was like flipped around i'm like chicho give me a coffee man i'm i'm, I'm, I'm tired no not really <laughs> we, sh we shot yeah, yeah. it in like it was... a week and it was fucking hot as ball like january you know january usually is um yeah we got yeah. Nico, yeah, yeah. Uh, our friend nico who's a cab driver lent us a taxi so you could get that scene with chicho driving the cab um it really all yeah i gave them the cab yeah i the, the funny part was uh, the uh, the shoe store. That was the oh, best was thing, man. With that with, song, with, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and at the beginning, this is so funny because at the beginning, neither of the people involved said, "Yeah, we're gonna do it." The only one who said, "Let's do it," was Chicho. When Chicho said, "Let's do it," everybody was in. <laughs> it was so funny. Like I couldn't convince anybody. But I said, "But, but, but, but I said, but, but that, that's, but I said, but Chicho's gonna be playing the the taxi driver. I'm in. Let's do it. Come on, fuck it." So it was, it was so funny. And then I only, and then I only can, I only can as a very, very, very lazy guy, very lazy and very irresponsible. So I said, Aonikin, we're meeting at 10 o'clock at my house. I give you the I address remember, I and everything. remember, because I was there and he was it, fucking late. Yeah, it, exactly. Remember? And I said, you better, you better be here, you motherfucker. I'm going to fuck you up. And he was here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cursed a lot. I'm sorry. He's but, so but, funny. But, well, remember doing that scene with him yeah. at the cafe? You had a friend of yours, somebody you knew had a cafe that we could use. And... Exactly. Well, that's a producer, man. Like he, yeah, that's a producer. I remember we shot yeah. that bit like twenty times because I could not stop laughing. He would come over to the table with the banana and the whiskey or whatever he had on the tray, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, God, yeah, 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 so yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was very funny. That was very funny. So I said, yeah, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, that was fun, and it was fun. I don't know. We did it, and yeah, yeah. So I want to go yeah. back to yeah, how this did is you like get a, the, yeah. Um, the, the one actor you told yeah. me a while ago that the, 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 the older gentleman in the movie, he's like a really famous guy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you get this guys when you have a very good script or a script that they want to play. So when I started writing and I wrote, I thought about the guy, Fermin, the old guy, I thought I want to do, I want Hector Alterio. That's the guy I want. If not, I'm, it's like literally I said, fuck it. I'm not doing this project if I don't get this guy. But what, what drives you to write it is because you're thinking about this guy. So when I, when this guy accepted to do the role, my project became more relevant to other actors. Yeah. You understand? So 
So that was the easy thing. So actually also Hector Alterio loves tango. Actually his girl, his, not his girlfriend, I'm sorry, his daughter, her, her name is Malena Grisel. So if this guy doesn't like tango, fuck it. I'm closing. <laughs> I'm doing a salsa movie. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and I can tell you a beautiful story. I think I told you this, Meredith. Maybe you know, because Meredith helped me a lot. And the other, the, the other day, she promoted the movie, uh, uh, another screening oh, we yeah, did and because of Zoom. Yeah, it was, it was great. People, is, they, it's, an, it's like having a mini movie theater, you know? That's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's like that. But the funny part is Hector Alterio, of course, we pay him the first class. And my partner... He's very, very careful with money, you know, very. Actually, you have to pay him to him give you money. That's how careful he is, you know. So he's, he's, he's very good producing. So I, but we have to bring Alterio in first class in a plane. And he arrived to a safe about time. Uh, not the mess when you arrive at 11, like normally, but at like 6 o'clock a.m. And I picked it up. And he was walking with his briefcase and a, and a, and a, and a hat in the middle of a seis and there was nobody there. And I stood up in front of him and I said, Hector Alterio, I'm Oliver, I'm the producer. And I kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Man? <laughs> and I kissed him with so much love because I was happy. And the guy <laughs> looked at me stunned. He was, I think he was, he almost had a heart attack. Of course, if they kiss you, if you kiss him on the mouth, of course you're going to have, that's going to happen. You know, I did not do that guys. I promise, but I did kiss him and he was so, so he didn't know what to do. And, but actually he took it very well because he saw that I was very happy. I wasn't trying to do something different and I walk him to the car. And, and that's it. And then I said, hey, man, do whatever you want on the set. Here's the camera. You're the man, man. That's it. Do it. Whatever. And actually, when we shot with him, we didn't, have, we did, we didn't do even one rehearsal. We had him for one week. So the first day that we shot the, the scene of the bar when he asked for forgiveness to his friend, that was the first scene I was shooting with him. And I was looking to my, yeah, and I was looking to my partner and I said, we didn't even rehearse this, but, and, and this is the way I envisioned him. I said, yeah, we're going to do this, this, this shoot, and we're going to put him here at the bar, and that's it. And that's how I started directing. Like, uh, I said to Hernan, when we made our agreement, I said, Hernan, from the camera to the back is your department. From the camera to the front, actors, art, how it looks, it's my department. Wow. Shoot it the way you want. I don't care. You want to travel. You want to go from behind. Do whatever the fuck you think. But I'm going to deal with the actors and the, what people see. And we work together very well. That must have been fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was very difficult also because it was, you know, it's, it was my first movie ever directing. So sometimes you have to deal with actors and and egos and they smell it and you have to but you know what story you want to tell and if you defend it with your craft or with your instincts or with your honesty that you want to say this is i'm going to try to tell a story man and i'm trusting you as a 
as a tool because the actor is nothing but a tool. When you're getting into the movie business and you see how a movie is made, how the editors manipulate actors in a way like saying, whoa, man, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing because it's like that. You manipulate everything, you know? So, but that was the process. That was the process and... And it was, I don't know, we're, I'm happy with this movie. And it was a Tango movie. This is the biggest compliment I have from everybody, you know, that watches the movie, that people who belong to this Tango world or sincere, uh, this, this atmosphere that we breathe and we live in, uh, they see it a Tango movie. It's like, it talks to them, you know? It's like, this guy belongs to this it's world. It's the most authentic, I mean, the Tango lesson was really good. I'll give, I, I will say, like, I thought the Tango Lesson was a really good movie about Tango. I like the Tango Lesson a lot. I always make the parody joke that, thank God, in the Tango Lesson, they didn't keep shooting the movie that they were doing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one with the, with the dresses and the guy in the wheelchair running, and I didn't know what it yeah. was, but it doesn't matter. But I would say, but like, tango, your... Tango Lesson, guys. It... Sorry, Marcelo, go ahead. I was just going to say, Marcelo... Yeah. Uh, Yes, tengo, sorry, go, go, go. That when I saw your movie, and I've seen it several times, like, it felt like, it as a as a person that lives in a tango life, like, I could feel it. Like, it made sense. Like, you have the fucking guy shining the shoes who goes to the milonga that night, and there he is, like, the man, you know? You have, it, it just it just felt so realistic. That's that's all. You know? Thank you, Adam. Thank that, you. That, that That's really, also that a true part story. That got me the most was like watching Carlos Copello. Not that it mattered who played the role, but it was funny that you had him. But it was right, funny right. that you had him play you the know, role. Right. But, but how that's what tango is for people. It's like in the daytime, this is your nine to five, whatever. But at the milonga, you're a totally different person. You know, like this is where you shine. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was great Absolutely. that you brought that element into the film because I don't think a lot of people. I know nobody who doesn't dance tango understands it, but I, I, I think even people who do don't realize this, you know? That's a very good observation. I agree with you 100%. And also, it's a true story. Hmm. Not about Carlos Copelo. It's a true story. In, you, everybody knows in Buenos Aires that corner of Corrientes and Callao, Sivals, hmm. which is the library. Okay. In front of Sibals, over Corrientes, to the, a little bit to the side, there used to be a very important library called Gandhi. Mm -hmm. And Gandhi, now there's a big theater, but Gandhi used to be run by Elvio, who was a militant politic politician, very low uh, middle, I mean, when you say, very low level politician kind of guy. Not in a bad way, like in level of power. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know how to turn to term in English, but it was right. like 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 a, a guy who who was involved in politics. Right. You know, maybe he knew some guy at the at the at the at the government uh, was connections in the movement, and he loved tango. He used to go to the milonga. He used to have a milonga and everything. I was a very good friend of him because I was in the publishing business and I used to sell books before I started Tango. So I knew all the libraries in Buenos Aires. So at that library, Gandhi, there was a shoe shiner that used to go to the Milonga every night <laughs> wow. and dance with everybody. I even shot that little story with him as a shoe shiner. 
And I have it somewhere. Uh, One of the greatest dancers, I think, ever, Portalea, used to work at the fucking cemetery and wipe yeah, the tombstones he was, uh, off he was, for donations. Yeah. He didn't even get paid, right? Didn't people just... Like, yeah. It's wow. so yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Because at that time, he's not going to teach. Yeah. You know, there's tango doesn't really exist, so he can't make a living teaching, touring like we do. You know, he works at Chacarita Cemetery, and he cleans the tombstones, and people... Give him a little money. Exactly. And at night, he yeah, went to dance. And exactly. he's fucking this... at the Milonga. And, and, and was a legend, yeah. yeah. But he could only afford exactly. to go out. Exactly, Because there's a documentary about him. Okay. I think he could only afford to go out like one night a week. On Sundays, I think he went out. I forget. Maybe wow. this is Maybe. So, this is something fascinating that, about the tango itself as a social movement. How when you go to the milonga and you open the door, there is this democracy there mm -hmm. that everybody's equal. Nobody knows who, where, what the other person does, and is when the milonga itself is a this place that's welcoming, where you feel comfortable, where there is no reason to ask what you do, what is your this, what is that is how the person behaves, how the person welcomes the other person. And as well as El Virinés, nowadays is more, more open the choice because now any person can choose to be a leader or to follow as they please in the moment that they please and choose that. It's something that I love about the story of tango. And in the talk that we have with, with the Catag, the historian, she was telling exactly that in the beginning of Tango, how Tango in the beginning, there's this myth that there was like the poor people and the rich people. No, there was, she was saying that in the carnivals, in the beginning of Tango, in the beginning of the century, people that went, were, was in the, in the opera, listened to Beethoven, and people who was working in the port, like, doing some job, they were joining together in the carnivals and dancing together there. Mm. And that is beautiful story of time. Exactly. Exactly. Because you have this person that, like Portalea, that you don't know that the guy is working in, 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 uh, in Chacarita, right? But then as well, you have this philosopher or this writer or this ecologist, he's doing, running the world and doing the speeches and he's working for, and he's there. <laughs> Talking with the same guy at the same level, yeah. having a wine, and it's beautiful. That's what I loved about it when I got into it, because I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And so I didn't, you know, I'm no, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, right? I'm just a kid. But I would go to Milongas, and I would hang out with people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who were successful. I could meet, like, I met Chico, you know, she's a, she was, like, an architect in her 30s. You know, like I have access to people that I normally would never meet. And it was so yeah. enriching for me just to learn and experience knowing people like this. But also it just felt like this is how I felt like the world should be. Like we sh it should be accessible to be around everybody and not base it on, determined on class, status, finances, you know, anything like this. Age, age, education, yeah, profession, one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's not many spaces like that in modern yeah. life. I think in for people who used to go to church or go to church, they maybe they, or, or, or I'm Jewish, synagogue, whatever, they, they might have a, a, a community of many different ages and professions and everything. But if but outside of religion, there, there aren't many spaces no, like that. religion in, is a good in, in, um, parallel. Like, that's what I think 
for most people, religion is for. It's not for like the crazy evangelical whatever. It's more just like this is a place we come to every week to meet our friends and be part of the community and to help each other and to be positive uh, role models to one another. And in tango, it's similar. We're not always positive role models to one another, but you know, there's <laughs> other aspects to it. <laughs> we believe in something different. <laughs> So Oliver, yeah. do you have any more? Yeah, yeah. Um, are you writing any more scripts? What do you? Is that like a uh, one-trick pony, or you got other stuff? No, 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 no. Oliver's produced a lot of movies since then, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Fermin, yeah, since Fermin, I produced uh, five more movies, Oof. and yeah, and but not what I not not as a writer, uh, as a, as a producer, because I started a. Uh, a production company and I produced five more movies so I had the chance to do bigger projects and and yes and now I finished a, a new tango movie I'm gonna do a new tango movie actually it's so funny because my brothers when I tell them I'm doing another tango movie which they don't give a shit about tango they say Oliver another tango movie come on <laughs> man come on man what do you yeah but that's what I do as a writer yeah, I wrote another Tango movie, and I'm going to try to shoot it next year. Nice. I mean, if we are allowed to, and I have already attached. This is the thing, you know, when you are able to produce more movies and you get to be a little bit more known and you finish the project and you accomplish and right. you and you, it's not about then you have a little bit more of a value yeah. in terms of that you have a you have a process of doing projects. So now for this movie, we have this very famous actor. It's called Luis Brandoni, which is a very famous actor in Argentina. And he's going to be in my movie. He already agreed. He already read the script. He already agreed. He wrote a letter and he's wow. in. So yeah, we'll see if we can make it happen. Nice. And yeah we, can, yeah. we can all be in it, right? All of us. Everybody. Every, yeah. Everybody here in the podcast. That's another room. thing I love. <laughs> Everyone has a role. Well, that was another thing I loved about <laughs> yeah. your movie was, and I don't know if it was deliberately, like you wrote scenes because you wanted your friends to be in the movie, but you had these <laughs> scenes of like the guy, the therapist going to the practicas and going to the milongas and like, and talking about that experience, like, and living that experience as the character in the movie and, or the doctor, I think it was not a therapist, but yeah. And, and then I look and it's like all these people we know. It is so cool. <laughs> Totally. But but because the, 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 the I agree and I did it on actually I have several castings uh, filmed of tango dancers who were trying to get a role uh, they didn't get they didn't get it <laughs> like like no no but I, they didn't get it because they're not prepared as mm -hmm. actors it's like I like, like to be the it's, daughter like to be the the, the daughter mm -hmm. No, not for example to be the 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 bad guy, you know, the Faustino, the 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 the, the granddaughter's boyfriend, mm -hmm. the, the the guy who beats her, and he's a bad guy, you know, the the oh, bad yeah. guy in the movie. Well, Benedice was cast for that. Lautaro Cancela oh. was that. Yeah, he did terrible, <laughs> <laughs> but but not in a bad way. No, 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 no. I'm, you know, guys. Uh, I, you know, it's very hard for me not to be outspoken of this aspect. I am very cool directing actors. 
I'm very, because I make them in a way that, because that's my job. So when I was doing that, I did, to, for example, with Arnan, I said, and, and I know it sounds funny when I say I'm very cool because I went to, I, I went to so many casting experience and sometimes castings are brutal. They don't give a shit about the actor. They just say, yeah, that's the camera. Do your thing, man. Come on. It's brutal. So, uh, and I don't have approach, that approach at all because I was using the castings to train myself to be ready to direct the actors, you understand? Mm -hmm. So when Benedice was trying to play the line and everything, he the way he couldn't do it because he's not a trained actor. Even the fact that then when he gets on stage or was doing an exhibition in a, in a milonga, doing his role, which is the tango dancer who does the exhibition, regardless of the fact that if you like the guy the way he dances or not, he could do it. Right. Make right. sense? Yeah. So... Uh, and I wanted him to be in that uh, absurd position because sometimes people think that acting is, oh, you just have to say the lines and that's it. And it's not. It's, it's a very difficult, it's very tricky to act. You understand? So uh, um, at the end, there were very few actors who got a part as an actor. Actually, I think none. <laughs> you understand? So, but yeah. You them, but yeah, you yeah, but them uh, featured in scenes in the background. And it was, you know, it's of course, like and, and dancing. Daughter, what she did in the, in the tango I am really good in the background, so I can do very good things in yeah. the background. That's good, very good. Yeah. But for example, Carlos Copelo, when I went to, Carlos Copelo has a little acting part, you yeah. know, actually, which is the scene that you like. So when I went to Carlos Copelo to do a rehearsal, Carlos Copelo opened the door to me. This is so funny. He opened the door and he was dressed up with a smoking. Like, like he heard that Marlon Brando, when he wanted to play the Godfather, <laughs> he was dressed as a smoking and that was going to impress me that he's dressed like Marlon Brando as a smoking and that's all what you need to do to be an actor. I <laughs> said, so what the fuck's going on with you? You're, you're, you're a shoe shiner. What, 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 do, what do you want this for? I don't understand. So now, so he changed. Of course, he went to change. And we started to talk and we were rehearsing the scene and he was attacking me. He was doing the scene, you know, remember the scene that he, the, the doctor comes and he's totally lost, he's, never, he's, he's in the milonga for the first yeah. time, and Carlos Copelo is the shoe shiner who is the big man, the big man in the house, and he was trying, it was, I was playing Gaston Pauls, I mean, the, the therapist, and he was playing the shoe shiner at night, and he was treating me like, like making fun of me, and I said, man, that's not the, your role, you're saying the lines, but you're treating me like shit when there's no need to treat me bad. You have to make me feel nice. And you're like a father who's trying to make it good for this guy who's new and you like him because he's a doctor and he's a nice guy. And he understood. You understand? So sometimes it's, it's so yeah, that's what we what we did. And and I also thought about that. I wanted to put include I mean for this movie that I'm gonna do, I'm gonna try to make to bring to from the uh, uh, tango world a lot of people as much as I can because this is another way for actors to start participating in another way that tango should go tango movies and whatever I mean people tango it's a, it's a thing that we have to think it and we have to express it in different ways that we like some people teach some people dance some people produce some people play some people write you know I think that way. 
Well, I think it's a great I am a good waiter. So if you need a work waiter, I can I can play a good waiter. So <laughs> okay, okay, if you feel like it. <laughs> I mean, they make movies about everything, and one thing they don't make, I think, enough movies about are dance. Um, and there's right. so many aspects to dance, uh, like absolutely voting. There's organizing. There's dancing. There's performing. There's teaching. There's DJing. There's you know music playing music. I, I think you could create a, a mini series, a television show about all of the things that we all do in like, think about like you, they made a show called 90210 about five kids that went to high school. What the fuck is that? Right? Well, yeah, but uh, to, this but is you know the thing. Why? I agree with you. Why? Because everybody well, went to high school. So everybody gets it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We are, exactly. We are human beings who've, not had any formal training in anything really, but we've all decided we're going to pursue tango as an art form, as a career. And we're going to be mm -hmm. producers, musicians, dancers, teachers, da, 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 and we're doing it like professionally. And that could relate to people as entrepreneurs in other fields, as creatives in other mediums, as, as hard work. That's the, the same vision. You know, you know, it could be, could be a legitimate thing that people would want to watch and, and, and understand. I mean, you got fucking Kardashians on TV and Paris Hilton's and all this other crap that people watch just because they wish that they happen to live. I don't, I've never seen any of this stuff, but my point is, is like, I, I, you get my what? point. Like, it could be engaging for, a, for the average person, even if you're not a dancer. I, yeah, I agree with you. The thing is that, uh, yeah, I agree. The story would have to, I don't, it would have to be the, good the, writing, good script, good story. You know, but but uh, I think it could be compelling. Anyway, I'm glad you're making another film, uh, and you wrote a script. I, I wish you would have sent me the script like you did last time, but I guess you're too <laughs> important for that. I now. have to trick. <laughs> no, man, not at all, my friend. I, you know, I know, and I, and you know, I love you, man. We have we became very good friends since I moved to New York. Yeah. You know, actually, I remember the first time I you saw you. The... Was at the South Street okay. Skateboard. You had blonde hair. <laughs> you had, your yeah, hair was God. like combed back you were sitting on the they had like a makeshift bar thing in front of that big peaking ship and you were sitting there and I think you were dancing a lot with Mariana the last time like socially with, or, okay Mariana Mariana who? Mariana Parma Galassi? or was it Mariana Galassi Mariana Galassi at least yeah. I think that night you were just social dancing with her and I was, I remember thinking, right, right, like, right. that was the first time, because you said 2005, right? You were in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, 2005, yeah. So uh, up until that point, I had only seen for tango, I'd seen, like, New York tango, and it, that impressed me because I didn't know anything, and I came from Cleveland, Ohio. And I knew, like, Robin, and I knew Naimelo, and I knew a few people. And then I saw you dancing, and I was like, oh, that's what tango's supposed to look like. <laughs> and then you were super and, kind to us well, like you know we, we i know you were humoring us in a being polite like we were both teaching at empire dance obviously you were a lot more experienced than i was but you were never rude about it you were never trying to be better than me you were just said hey i would love it you invited me to come to your classes as a guest instructor helper which i thought was a very yeah. um smart way to do it like you knew i needed guidance you knew I needed, I had a lot to learn, and I still do. But instead of saying, you should take my classes, 
you were like, hey, you're an instructor at the studio. Can you come to my class and help instruct the lesson? Or like, you know, be a moderate. I don't know what you call it. You know what I mean? And like I went and I loved your classes. They were, you were funny. They were engaging. They were really good classes. I remember the Milonga class really influenced my way of teaching Milonga and dancing Milonga because you broke it down into rhythmic colors. You had like yeah. a... Wow. Black is two beats, white is four beats. I don't remember the details anymore, but it was very clear. It was the first time I took, I took a Milonga class that really made, like you, you dissected it very cleanly. And you Thank made you, it very man. accessible to very everybody. Much. It was like, oh, okay, this is this beat. And I, you taught it with somebody who was not, a, I forget her name. She's not a normal teacher. She was just somebody, I think she was just helping you out or something. But anyway, yeah. Um, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I, I had very good times in New York, man. The New York community, practically, I saw it grow from that time. Because when I got there, I mean... I mean, it was not beginning, but it was moving very fast. You know, I was, it was the, that moment. Yeah, that, uh, sure, that was that, that, that time that, when that, New York was changed. Like the last several years, I feel like it's kind of plateaued, you know, but there was a time between like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of the 2000s where there was always yeah, new people coming in like yeah. way, Lucia, Laria, uh, London. Yeah. And, the, and know, a lot of people coming yeah, in. And then I met. And I met Meredith in 2006 or 2007 with Andres, mm -hmm. something like yeah. that. Where was yeah? it? I don't remember. In New York? I think I met uh, you in New York. And actually, I remember dancing with you at uh, Chico's uh, loft in, in Newark. In, in, in Newark. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did I make so it those... to Ghetto Tango? I, I don't remember. I guess so. You, I, 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 hundred percent we remember so that. We were so young. Remember that? Yeah. Do you? Remember, I remember. Do I remember. remember. When we got stuck on the Brooklyn Bridge because someone was trying to commit suicide, and yes. we started walking around the bridge, and we found you and Sylvina in a taxi, and you were there with the meter ticking for oh three hours while this person God. decided yes. whether or not they were going to throw themselves yes. off the bridge. And I was saying, please jump, please jump. <laughs> I know. That was, that was terrible. But it was three hours, and it started at one a.m. on oh a Sunday. My. Yeah. Oh my, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and it was like 3, 4 a.m. And still they wouldn't let us. Here's Andres to tell us what really happened. Oliver was yeah. such a pioneer. He wanted to film the guy to send to a TV program later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. You were like, here I am on the Brooklyn Bridge <laughs> in, <laughs> in New York. <laughs> You're a live correspondent from yeah, Tango News. <laughs> yeah. How are you, man? Just a negro. Go in. Yeah, here I'm going to give you Andres. Oh, wow. Okay. Here. Oh, okay. Bring the, the whiskey and we go. Hello. So I hope, I think I answered all the questions, right, Adam? Yeah. Yes, you answered them mostly oh. correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. That's Andres, are you yeah, there? You can ask. You can ask me anything you want. <laughs> yeah, me uh, I love your post, Andres. I'm really. Uh, I am a fan of you. I'm stalking you in your post. Yes. <laughs> no. oh, I love the. Hey, you, you feel Andres, flattered. Andres, yeah. when they showed the tile wall in New York City with the twenty thousand lies. 
Oh yeah. And you said did they run out of wall? <laughs> well, that was good. Sure, because yeah, I kind of like heard some comments about how much was the count, and I and I think it's true. Like he's over that. Oh yeah, that it's number. Be. Yeah, yeah, it has gotta be. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's gonna be another well, exciting to... few hours until we find out what's going on. Yeah, maybe maybe not too long. I'm checking, but I I have a a Kabbalah, which is like I'm not. Uh, I'm no, not don't say, it, don't say, it, don't say. It. Remember, don't don't say. It. Just yeah, yeah, do it. Exactly. Yeah, my Kabbalah says don't say anything. All right. Okay. Yeah, not not saying anything is my is my Kabbalah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one, but I love your pose, man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so much. It's fun. Uh, which fun, one? Which one? All of them, man. All of them. Yeah, I have a lot of time in my hands. <laughs> Actually, it's all about amusing you guys. <laughs> all right. How you been doing with how you been doing with the podcast? You've been you you enjoying it, doing it, Adam? Yeah, um, I think it was like a month ago or a little over a month ago. I was notified that we reached ten thousand downloads. That's very so, good, man. Very like, impressive. Uh, very the good. live listening has tapered off over the last several months because people are out and about again, of course. But they, I get a lot of people to listen after. So we get around 100 okay. to 200 downloads a week per episode. And then, so, I mean, that's just promoting the fact that it's still going well and that we're not just talking to ourselves here, jerking off in a circle. Um, and then... I, well, we can, we, we, we can still do that and it will be well, totally safe, right? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> also just, yeah, just having the time to sit and meet people. Like a lot of the guests... Uh, nowadays, I don't even know them because we've already blown through everybody we knew. So <laughs> I'm just meeting new people every week, which is one of the things I miss about yeah. about being at the Milongas. It's it's like it's like it's like you calling me in six months again. Hey Oliver, you want to talk about another thing? <laughs> I knew because it's like it's been six months. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we should call. Marcelo uh, calls in every week and. Uh, I mean, I've known Marcelo almost as long as I've known you, but I feel like Marcelo, you and I and Chico have gotten to know each other better since March than ever. <laughs> you know, I mean, we were always yeah, close, we, but we, now we talk every week and we teach classes together and work together, and I think it's that's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I, they were like first one that I uh, I came to when I had a crazy idea by internet, and I talked to Chico and I said, "Yes, let's do it." And I'm like, well, okay, good, nice. I have some 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 complices to do some crazy things. And thank you so much, Adam. That is almost it's yeah. awesome. So yeah, I'm enjoying the podcast, Oliver. I think it's it fits my personality. I, I'm not really a fan of online teaching, although I did, like I said, I do it occasionally, and I'll do it. I will continue. But I enjoy chatting and having people. And, I think it's amazing. I think it's if you love it and you enjoy it. I, I, I mean, to now to put things on perspective. Uh, uh, for example, uh, I don't know about you, three guys, or the rest of the people who is listening. Uh, my life has changed uh, in 180 degrees in terms of in a bad way. In terms 
of my social life. It's like saying I'm, I am breathing and eating and, and doing my necessities and trying to produce, but my social life, like dancing, it's gone. I mean, it's totally gone. It's, it's like 90% of the people I knew was related to the people I talked to. You understand? I'm sure that you've been talking about this philosophy shit for the last six right. months and everybody told you the same. But but it's 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 like that, you know? It's like it's it's weird, you know? And it's not the same being 48 or being 78 at this time. No, no. Yeah. You know? Uh, no, not and at all. And you know all. what else is really and, cool about this uh, podcast thing? Oh, look, Chico's here. Um Oh, is that cool. I, I like earlier say yesterday I was like on the Tango Cafe takeout Facebook page and I was just scrolling back. We've all been living through this pandemic for the past eight months or so, but we actually have like a weekly record of our experience because we've done this podcast every week. So in a way, it's kind of cool in that sense. Like, you know, I have I have like a timestamp of what I was doing week to week to week during the podcast. So I, I really like that. Right. It's like a, it's like a diary. Yeah. <laughs> hey Chico, yeah, you're you right. brought us at the end. I gotta pee really bad. I'm gonna wrap it up in a second. I hope you're doing well. Everybody, say hi to Chico. Hello, Chico. But why she's not answering? Well, she's in oh, Turkey or third world country oh, earthquake. Oh. I don't know. Maybe things are taking time. <laughs> yeah, we miss you, Chico. Where are you? Why you let us alone with this dude? Oh, she can't call because people are sleeping. Okay. Well, we'll we'll do, she'll be back next week, well, and we're gonna do we might even do an earlier show so she can do it not at four in the morning as she is right now. We had a great show, Chico. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up, guys. I'm gonna play okay. uh, Shinju's song that she sent us. It's her piano, her on piano. Okay. And uh, Oliver, thank you. I'm so glad I learned more about your story about making the movie and. Thank you, man. Producer. Thank you. Thank you for very for being interested. Thank you for your words towards me and thank you, man. Marcelo, te mando un abrazo. Morochito, peronista, te mando otro. Yeah, and uh, Marcelo, <laughs> thanks for joining us every week. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Gracias, take, chicos. Take abrazo, care, Oliver. Yeah, con el sábado. Muchas gracias. Les mando un abrazo a todos. Gracias. gracias. Love you, guys. Love you, Adam, Chico. See you next week. Yes.